0: the number 1 financial destination yahoo finance.com
1: What's good internet? It's October 26th and you are listening to Waypoint Radio episode 517. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Ricardo Contreras.
2: We can make it the 25th if you want. We can make choices if you want.
1: Oh, that's right, today's Tuesday. Well it could be the twenty fifth I mean for me it's the twenty-fifth, maybe it's the twenty-fifth for you as well. It might uh, be. Depends on how
2: late we how dirty we want this recording to be.
1: It can be it can be a little dirty. Can it be a little uh,
2: trombone champ nasty? <laughs>
1: It can, it can yes not perfecto, no. perfecto is too high a bar. But we like a little nasty. <laughs> uh, we also speaking of, speaking of nasty. Patrick Clapbeck, welcome so, to the show. Uh, I'm looking at flights of the Super Bowl, Rob. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's good to be thinking about that right now. <laughs> Where is it? Where is it next year? Uh, that's a great question. But like, do we want to make a whole week of it? That's the thing. Do you just want to see the game, or you yeah. just want to like <laughs> like oh, hang out? God. Yeah, I think uh Rob, we that's we just turn into content. We'll spend a whole week there.
2: Oh my god.
1: Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's it's exciting news for us. Uh the mm-hmm. Bears executed like their, their 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 like quarter season pivot to being the greatest being and good? The most exciting being team good? in the NFL. Yeah. 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 I love it. Uh, I love it. They love shattered the juggernaut of the New England Patriots. Uh everyone knows how like me like nobody beats the Patriots. Nobody. Uh so well, not us, I don't think we ever have um in not in my lifetime, except for, yeah, like there's that Super Bowl, uh, yeah, which again, this is why count. it's so significant. Like the, the auguries, like the fact that the bears had their coming out party against New England, uh, it's, it's like, you know, the symbolism of that mm-hmm. with the, with the 85 bears, uh, so just, just, just write in if you're in the city
3: that the Super Bowl is in, which I don't know, but if you're there and you've done that research then let Rob and I know, we'll are be you there. all
4: right, I'm going to ask a question here. Also, hi, I'm Renata Price. Um. I'm also here. Are you huffing copium, or or is this like? Is do you feel like there is potential not to not no, to get this no? They're team. terrible. No, they're straight copium.
3: Straight copium. They had they had a great night. From the you gas. know what I mean? It's, it's not like... copium if you're if you're a realist. Uh, <laughs> it is just sometimes <laughs> you everyone... allowed... <laughs> No, sometimes called. you're allowed to enjoy when a good thing happens to you, knowing that it will disappear tomorrow. That's not copium. Coping is deluding yourself into believing things have changed.
4: That's true. That's true.
3: I just enjoyed a good night. What's I had a fling I had a fling with a competent football team and boy, that was a nice one
1: night <laughs> stand.
4: Sorry, what'd you say, Rob?
1: Uh, I think they unlocked Justin Fields. Uh, just I wait think, till i mean, okay. all Rob, different Rob, Rob. wait until oh, after hey, the podcast is
3: over we could do this later we right. could do what, this later <laughs>
2: what's funny is that so, looking at the stat lines if the, if y'all were just in the nfc south you know it'd be great you'd be at the top of the leaderboard down there hey we're tied with the packers
1: that's <laughs> all that matters <laughs> it, uh they, they actually they hold the tiebreaker but yeah I mean, <laughs> we, are, we are we are tied uh so we're all a little loopy. We're coming back from Safe Point uh, 2022, in which we, the Waypoint Mods, our community, we all came together to raise uh, over 80 grand, actually, for the Woo! National Network of Abortion Funds. So, number go up uh, <laughs> after we call the end of the stream. Uh, it was a blast for a great cause, uh, and also one of the most fun and smoothest live streams I think we've we've done. Uh, it was it was terrific. It also meant that for a week we were all in New York and I certainly didn't have. Let me tell you the most frustrating thing about this month for me has mm. been a game I've been really looking forward to for a while. Mm. Paradoxes Victoria 3. Mm. Yeah, reviews dropped, Rob. Where's yours? I got the code for that. Like the day before my parents arrived <laughs> to stay <laughs> for the better part of a week. <laughs> Oh, and then hmm. I said goodbye got goodbye to my parents and headed off to New York for Save Point. So I had a uh like two weeks head start on Victoria, have barely played any. Uh, no Steam Deck? Uh no, it's it's not. This is it, It's a Paradox nothing, game, Patrick. It's so powerful. <laughs> it requires so many there, there's doesn't so matter, many calculations. Doesn't matter doing. how much RAM you have, it's gonna need all of it. yeah uh you need you need a you need a powerful machine uh Mm. to to Mm -hmm. uh like a 3080 or or maybe honestly i you know i shouldn't even think about playing victoria 3 until i get my 40 80. Uh, later I thought he was year. just
2: going to go for 30, 90, but no, straight up for the new line. Rob, wow. no,
1: <laughs> Rob, Rob, will, just,
3: Rob will just keep discussing the idea of getting a new video card so that it can be tantalized by the next video card. Oh no, well, he's figured out what I'm doing the with the car.
1: <laughs> he's figured out what I'm doing with cars. Patrick's figuring out the cars. Cards? I don't know. Cards? Is there a D? Mm. Just swap it out uh but yeah so that's been that that has been me being tantalized for the better part of two weeks of like i need to dig into this game so so looking forward to it and also like every time i fired it up it's like oh that's right victoria 3 is like the most complicated like victoria is just the most complicated franchise mm-hmm. uh and i was like i i do not have the time to to dig into this right now which does make me realize um I think we need a new best practice. When I'm in New York for work stuff um, and mm-hmm. can't be among my things,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, I need to be the Little Prince mm-hmm. who has a little has a little setup in the Vice office mm-hmm. with the Waypoint Gaming PC mm-hmm. to be playing the things that we we'll be playing at home without mm-hmm. the compromises. You know, without compromises because I'm mm-hmm. not about those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't handle those compromises. Uh, and so I, I think like everything would have been really different if I'd just been coming in early and staying late to play on the little, the little gaming, the, the, our mighty gaming PC. This I think is so true. everything would have been different. And that's going to be our practice moving forward.
4: <laughs> Rob, I'm looking at this game.
1: I'm yeah.
4: looking at screenshots of it. Can you give me the pitch on the Victoria series? Cause I, I would like to, I would like to understand kind of what I'm looking at.
1: Yeah. So Paradox Games, every, Every game sort of is about a different, different historical era and tries to right. identify what are, like, the salient features of that yep. era. So Crusader Kings, obviously, is about, like, dynastic politics, and everything is shot through that lens of, like, what drives dynastic politics? What are the dynamics, uh you know, involved in building your political orders around that? What are the institutions that, like, build up around it? Uh European Universalis is about sort of the rise of the modern nation state, uh, the sort of end of feudalism, and the rise of, like, centralized bureaucracies um as well as sort of the advent of the the modern era and the enlightenment uh victoria is about the uh age of sort of the second age of like european colonialism following the end of the napoleonic wars and mm-hmm. also about the role of industrialization uh yeah. and like and the rise of like ideologies uh, divorced from nationalism uh-huh. uh, over the course of the 1800s uh, and and 1900s and so the, the way they sort of attack that is what they where they sort of position you as you sort of guide the destiny of a nation uh, but also the nations themselves the thing that they're trying to get at is There are a lot of cross currents uh, in every society as they are being uh, buffeted by sort of these winds of technological, ideological Mm -hmm. uh, and imperial change. And so one of the things you have to wrestle with is certain possibilities open and close to you based on like who comprises your nation. Right. Mm -hmm. Like once your nation industrializes, you develop a class of industrial workers. They weren't there before. Now they have different interests, different like wants, needs, etc. cetera. Uh, in order to industrialize, you probably need, you both need like, uh, like classes of technicians and engineers uh, who can mm-hmm. sort of build, and maintain the machinery. But you also to get that off the ground need investor and capitalist classes uh, yeah. to sort of create that infrastructure and finan- finance, finances, construction, but they're going to want things too. Boy, do we know that? So that's that's kind of the Victoria series. Is uh, it's it's because of all that. It is one of the most interesting paradox games because so much of it is about putting your finger on the scale of the simulation to try mm-hmm. to like have it iterate forward in ways you find favorable, but you have way less control than say European Vasalis, where it's like mm-hmm. I want to do this right. and as the nation state, you can just do that in Victoria. It's like, I want to do this. And the answer is, well, then you better get to work on universal education and suffragism. uh, Because otherwise your country is not going to like go along with that. You're going to need to create the polity uh, to support that wish.
4: Yeah. This is, this is fascinating to me because I'm thinking a lot about like the various theories about how um, I'm like thinking about like various Marxist theories about how development and like, national development happens and i think that this is sounds actually really fascinating i wonder uh, i i kind of want to play this to see if i can successfully convert uh, a peasantry to an organized proletariat
1: yep uh, i mean that's definitely one of the things you can absolutely do um there's i think one of the the things they were trying with victoria 3 is also give like give a bit more due to the politics beyond europe uh because i think yeah. victoria 2 was very even though you play any country, it's, it's, it's a bit Eurocentric, but I think primarily also it did examine that period of history primarily through the lens of, like, Marxism. Uh, it's very ironic. Chris King was, like, the designer on Victoria 2, and he sort of confessed to me, like, you know, I think we were on through his head, and he was, he was sort of saying, well, we didn't really have, like, we didn't have the full design of the game worked out, so we just sort of plugged in Marx. And what's very fun, funny is uh, Chris is uh, actually, like, uh, a fairly right-leaning guy, but Marx's description of the dynamics of that era in which he lived is right. so compelling, and the incentives and, like, mechanisms he identifies make for a hell of a game. Well, right, uh, Marx
4: is, like, a descriptive writer. He's not, pres- like, Marxism as, like, a as a system is not right. prescriptive. It is, it is describing a particular social context, which is why it's kind of difficult to apply moving forward and why it needs it's a theory that needs to be developed on consistently by other theorists living in other particular times because it is a descriptive process, not a prescriptive one. And treating it as a prescriptive one uh is a bad idea.
1: Um but I do think with Victoria 3 they they attempted to have uh versions of like lines of play you can you can go on that aren't quite as uh that like Marx isn't interested in as much mm-hmm. uh, and just doesn't talk about. So like yeah. processes of, uh, for instance, like one of the things they really they really foreground uh, in promoting this game is the process of uh, national liberation and establishment of nationhood in mm-hmm. like South America, uh, for instance, is a, a major thrust of this game.
4: So it's like de- the practice of decolonization. Is, is, is that, are we talking about uh, like, the establishment of nationhood under a colonial rule, specifically, like, for example, establishment of like a, a protectorate or like a nationhood under, for example, Spain. Or are we talking about the development of nationhood independent from uh, colonial power? The answer is the, yes.
1: I mean, okay. the answer like like it's, it's kind of both. Uh, yeah. But like also it's going to be questions of. Uh, to what degree is this just ethnic colonialism by another name? Uh <laughs> to to what degree of is there going because you're going to have like indigenous uh like population. Right. Uh and then like uh settlers who are there, and, and this is all stuff you will you sort of negotiate in this game uh and can adopt a lot of different strategies for handling. Uh so this is this is why it is so interesting. And it's also why uh I'm just I'm I'm just seething that I had to spend a week hanging out in gorgeous like <laughs> gorgeous new by gorgeous new hampshire we uh lake with my parents and i'm just sitting there being like <laughs> oh i should have i should have brought my gaming pc up here and then i was uh you know hanging with you all and we were doing save point and really all that we had three monitors i could have been playing victoria 3 in one of them
4: uh-huh mm-hmm. uh, this looks man rob why do you have to show me this shit <laughs>
1: uh it sadly it's the job uh the job is also to play it but you know sometimes uh you know life <laughs> sometimes <laughs> life finds a way and sometimes uh life life gets in gets in the way now is um, there a
2: room in your cab in that cabin that you were staying in where you
1: could have put a pc or would this just, yes, have, just have to sit yes. in the <laughs> i could have so i could have well no actually no Kyle, you raise a good point <laughs> I could have hooked my PC up to the TV in the main room, which was yeah. surprisingly decent. The cabin, oh. like, I was really thrilled. I was like, damn, this Sony TV is not fucking bad. Like, it's <laughs> this is, uh, this is all right. But I could, yes, I 100% could have, uh, set up my gaming PC and been like, man, it's so good to see you, family. Haven't seen you guys for a year. I love you so much. Watch me play Victoria 3 uh, <laughs> for like six hours a day. This will uh, be mentally enriching, I swear. You'll get to know me Instead better. I had to help my dad unlock his Xbox um <laughs> because oh, no. he'd been locked out for yeah he, he took my old uh my Series 1X mm. uh he, he I gave that to him and he probably got locked out because it asks you for your email mm-hmm. right uh mm-hmm. or your handle or whatever but he, you you pl- he plugged in his email and then it's like What's the password uh, for that email? And that is how it appears on the screen, basically. It asks you, what's the password for that email? So my dad spent a year. Pl- I didn't realize this until I saw him go through the issue. they had been describing over the phone kind of badly. He spent a year putting his email password right. into yes. Microsoft mm-hmm. and not his actual Microsoft mm-hmm. password. Oh. <laughs> and so... Oh, like no. it was it was a silly error, but also once I saw like what was happening, I was like, oh, it actually is ambiguous uh and so I had to get that all unlocked for him uh also realized that I had to help him enjoy his Xbox the most, I had signed him up for game Pass, and he never signed out of it. Oh, so you, oh you weren't paying for this. You 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 took his you took his credit card and signed him up for Game I Pass. Thought I'd, I, thought it's, I thought I'd use my credit card, but apparently I'd used his. Oh well. So he paid <laughs> for about like eight months of Game Pass. Uh, you didn't then, buy oh. the year
3: just to save some money? Well, you I, monthly he would, I wasn't sure he'd yeah. want it
1: forever. I was like, you know, right. uh, and, he okay, thought, yeah. and he thought
3: your your father, who can't figure out how to put the password in, is going to remember to cancel the <laughs> Well, it's
1: time, so I didn't know he couldn't figure out to put the password in, because I was giving it to him as a nice gift, and I was like, surely he will be a little stupid. What a great in.
3: gift. You gave him a broken box and $100 to pay it's, off. It's a-
1: yeah, so it could have <laughs> gone better. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, am I going to, am I going to tell my dad uh, that he's still like got a game pass subscription yes
0: uh, um
1: i did tell him that and i showed him where to turn it off but then also he started seeing a bunch of game pass games he he liked the look of so he remains signed up to game pass oh but I did turn God. off auto renewal. <laughs> uh also to give he was like you know just showing him stuff because he like you know he likes he likes lots of you never know what he's going to get into. I, I, I tried Slay the Spire. Uh, I'd be like, hey, check this out. And he's like, I don't really get it. Uh, Frostpunk caught his interest. Mm, but man, dead. he didn't like all that child death and child labor. Uh, he was <laughs> like, <laughs> you're, just the- you're just putting those <laughs> kids to work. And I was like, yes. And then you get the event like one of the kids was maimed. And he was like, is that because of what you did? And I was like, it's scripted. This happens regardless. <laughs> I didn't do that.
2: The game did that. <laughs> not me but he
1: likes he likes snowy and wintry things so hmm. i was like this seems this seems like your speed um but yeah so you know i i hope he i hope he gets something out of it but uh that was that was my <laughs> because he hasn't so
3: far <laughs>
1: boy we're starting Ooh. real low on the
3: ladder hope he can turn it on next time rob sees him a year from now
1: it might not have been a good gift <laughs> fundamentally this is a man who just wanted to play some forza and i just bought him forza i bought him forza like outright so he owns that shit it's in his account no matter what uh but yeah i'm you know we'll we'll see we'll we'll check in on how (laughs) how dad is doing uh later i'm also starting to get phone calls about um you know what is the biggest tv i think they could have uh and i was like well,
2: well <laughs> yeah. Don't ask wrong Rob person. that. Yeah. Don't ask, don't ask Rob do, that. Exactly. Do you want me to start talking to your parents for
1: you? Uh, it might. <laughs> Patrick, there have been moments where I've been like Patrick. I need you to drive out to Valparaiso and go see, go see my dad and help him sign into his Xbox. Something is going on. I haven't been able to get to the bottom of it over the phone. Like it's it's like.
3: All right, Jessica, time to get in the car. We're going to a park that's Go- very far away, but I hear
1: it's cool. <laughs> going to Valpo. Uh, all right. So anyway, that's me. That's why uh, I haven't been able to play much Victoria 3. Uh, but, you know, I've had some good times with good people uh, in in spite of that. Um, how have you all been doing in the wake of Save Point? What have, what have you all been up to? You know,
3: uh, spent. You know, I spent my day off identifying things in the house that I can't repair, but I could repair later. Ordered parts from three different places. Spent an hour on the phone with Google asking, hey, this Nest camera doesn't work anymore. It just turned off. Don't think it gets power. How do I repair that? Where do I send it? An hour of troubleshooting. And at the end, they go, oh, we don't repair those things. If they're out of warranty, it's just trash. And I almost threw the camera against the fucking wall. Uh, How old is it? Uh, I got it. We got it as a gift when my youngest was born. So the warranty lasts a year, and they do no repairs on it. I'm sure there's, I uh, may be something like you could send it to someone, but
1: you should. You know st- what? You should tell Jason about this. <laughs> this isn't is like Jason <laughs> right so mad. right to
3: repair a nest. I mean, you can't open it. There are screws. Uh, but it's just like a, t- you know, I mean, like not that a- only 150. I don't mean to say that, but it's like it's at that point. How, how much of a journey am I going on for this camera that I only need? Right. That's how they get w- you with,
1: with cheap, yes. like cheap electronics and shit. This is always the thing where it's like, but I just wish they told me up front and, yeah.
3: and up, I, I asked the customer service person a couple different times. I'm like, can we just forward to the end here? Like, I really don't think I need to check if the camera, if the, if the, if the, if the cable is frayed, I've done, I've done all this before. Yeah. And at the end <laughs> was,
1: we heard how you treated Sonos. So why don't you uh, go buy us another one? Bucko. Oh <laughs> man. I'm so, so that's the other thing is I've been forced to concede uh my parents so my parents uh I have consulted with you on this and I consulted with you actually my parents were like yes so they they had not heard the sound system fully operational and I had the like it was like so there's a couple songs that mean a ton to my parents and literally my mom burst into tears hearing one of them on the, on this <laughs> on the speakers cuz like it was <laughs> transported her back it, it was it like it just had fully had the like yeah that's fucking right that's that's what <laughs> that's why we turned this room into a shrine uh to these to these speakers uh but they, they were asking like well how do like we realize now we you know we don't have any good way to listen to stuff um but really quickly like having just come through the, the xbox situation i was like i'm not I'm not saying them. <laughs> I'm not being like, you should get a receiver and like put out speaker cable. Like, like no. we're not we're not doing this. <laughs> no. And so they have a couple old Sonos speakers. And I was like, OK, what's the what's the Sonos thing that they should just get? And Patrick was hmm. Sonos has made it very simple. There's only two products. There's, two. There's a small baby, a, 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 a baby, a
3: baby Sonos and a big Sonos. And I, which one do you want? And I think I think you want the big one. I think you want the big one. I've I have, I have a, a buddy that went with the small one and wishes they went with the big one, despite yeah. it being a little more expensive.
1: The small one looks deeply chintzy. It's like they're very clear. It's meant like, for an apartment. It's meant for yeah. an apartment. Like if you uh but once you're into
3: home condo territory, I think the, the beam is the the big one. You want the big one. Yeah. Uh
1: Ren, what have you been playing lately?
4: I have been playing um a game from actually a few uh two thousand and twenty one uh, over the weekend, uh, I was playing the the Gundam Operation Fairy. Uh, uh, I, I was playing it as to test for save Point And I've since been playing uh, a lot of a, 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 a not good Gundam game. Yeah, that game
1: didn't look that good. I'm kind so of just made. Pro-
4: but here's the problem, Rob. Here's the here's the problem. That game isn't great until you get. Uh, until like it gives you the feeling of what being a Gundam ace should feel like. And, and that is when it, when it is succeeding. Like, basically, Gundam uh, Battle Operation is a uh, originally released as a 6v6 competitive free-to-play game, uh, and then it had a single-player campaign called Code Fairy released uh, in 2021. Code Fairy follows a group of, like, six Xeon women uh, who are all incredible and who I would die for. Uh, as they begin a um initial uh, operations in North America, they are the xeon base in North America. They're the forward operating base for the xeon army's invasion uh of 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 earth uh or uh, specifically of north America and so playing this group of people, the game has um pretty slow mech movement, so you're like walking around until you have these boosts. Great. It is floaty. Uh, a lot of the guns feel bad. The stuns wa- last way too long. Uh, the The crowd control is a fucking nightmare. Uh, you will frequently be like, "That was bullshit. Go fuck yourself, video game." All of this, all of this is not good, right? Mm-hmm. But then there are these. But then there are these moments when you are playing this game and you come across a group of two mechs who you know can kill you. They can kill you, you are, you are poorly matched up against them, but you are fighting in an urban environment. And so there are all of these buildings, and so you fire off a bazooka shot, you dash through an alley, you hit one of them twice with your sword, they fall to the ground, you dash backwards without looking, which ends up dodging the sword strike coming from your right side. You fire a shotgun into that mech, hit them twice, dash to the left, and keep going. And you're, like, dancing between targets, like, getting in these, like, sizable but not finishing blows in this urban environment. And at that point, it's like, oh, this game is doing something really fucking sick. Because I know if I try and fight any of these guys one-on-one, I'm screwed. Um, They have weapons that will stun lock me. And so you have to really lean into trusting your allies to land the sniper shots you need them to because once you once they do that the enemy will be staggered and you can go in and it, it the dance is there the game lets you do the dance that gundam is best at and so like even when it is not being a particularly good video game i am having moments where i'm like okay this this is six fuck this is this is absolutely excellent I am playing the missions. I'm replaying them so that I get all of the unlocks. That is how much fun I'm having when I am having fun with it, uh, is that I will replay missions to get like the good unlocks, um, which is it's really satisfying.
1: That is a that is a surprising update, given how like middling that game looked. Uh, But I guess in retrospect, it was clearly also getting its hooks into you. Like you were you were like, running the same thing again and again to refine like your playstyle and like come to grips with your controls. Uh and it does seem like it allows a lot of expression uh there.
4: Yeah, exactly. Um one of the things that I really love is that the game starts you off in a the the single player campaign starts you off in a raid type and so basically there are three types of uh of mobile suit. Raid types, support types and general types. Uh general type sorry, support types beat general types. Support types are like snipers. General types beat raid types, raid types beat uh, support types, which means that they do additional damage and take less damage from the type that they are stronger than. Uh, It's basically like a a weapon triangle, uh, but for mechs. Um, And so one of the things I realized about the mission that I was playing at Safe point, where you have to fight 20 Zakus is that that entire time I was taking fights that I had no business taking because I was matching up against the wrong enemy type. I was trying to, as a raid type mobile suit, take on three generals at the same time, uh, even with my allies' support. I'm not going to win that fight. I am not going to win that fight. And so instead, I started reprioritizing who I was fighting uh, and being like, okay, cool. If I can break through this one raid type and break through this flank and then take out out that sniper at the top of the hill who's shutting down my general, uh, who is like assisting me. I can win this fight. I just have to like prioritize targets correctly and tell the AI who to prioritize correctly so that we can break this like particular um, squad formation. And that feeling is really, really good. It's really cool. I think that the, the weapons generally don't feel great until you land a hit with a melee weapon. And then you're like, ah, fuck, this is Gundam, baby. Um, and the game really shines.
1: Uh, What's the game again?
4: Uh, Gundam Battle Operation Code Fairy.
1: All right. And that is Uh different than Overwatch Gundam.
4: Yes. Yeah. Which is Gundam Evolution, which is a game that I also like. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good one.
1: Uh, So we're going to talk about more games. We should talk a little bit about uh, some news. Um, You know, while we were doing Save Point, Konami revealed to us the future of Silent Hill, uh, I guess, you know, namely that it has one. Uh, but uh, Patrick Wren, let's let's dig into that Silent Hill transmission a bit and mm-hmm. some of the the highlights coming coming out of it. Uh, I think for me, one one highlight was the fact that their entire presentation, the bit was they were doing their presentation from inside Silent Hill via so uh, uh, so some goofy. endearing
3: uh, production. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a very old school Konami uh sort of sort of presentation, uh or just old school video game, uh in general. And the fact that the fog, like, was warping around them, mm-hmm. it wasn't just a static shot behind them. There was clearly someone who had spent time layering over those visual effects, and that in a kind of like you know when Nintendo does their things, they snap their fingers to like uh, do the transition. They were kind of like iconic. Uh, switch sound like they did a similar sort of thing, but it just took them to another tortured part of Silent Hill averse. Uh, <laughs> I think at some point they were in a sewer. Uh, i I appreciate the dedication uh to to the bit. It was a uh Silent Hill itself is a kind of goofy, hard to pin down franchise in terms of what it is. I think that like speaks to other than Konami's own dysfunction, why this series has struggled over time to identify. It's to itself. What? Why am I interesting? What do people want from me? Right. Um. And I, I think we, I think you saw some of that in the presentation itself. As, as Konami took a shotgun approach to the future and just said, "Fuck it, we'll just make a bunch of these, and hopefully, fuckers like one of them."
4: <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it was interesting. I mean, my favorite part had to be the seven minutes. Uh, showing figurines of varying costs uh, made, by, made by various. Many of which were cost TBD. Yeah, exactly. Um, well,
3: because they don't want to tell you now. No, they, they, I'm sure they have an estimate, and they'd like for you to wait until later so that it doesn't seem as excessive when they announce
1: it in the middle of, uh, of this of this live stream. The the dog at the radio control room. Uh, is, unfortunately, that's the one where they've got me. Uh, We didn't watch that. I I, I regret that that was not something
3: we followed up on. I did want to show everyone the... There are multiple... I mean, one of the the cool things about Resident Evil is that uh, it doesn't just have sort of binary endings in the way that uh, a Resident Evil might Mm -hmm. have in which, like, oh, you play as this character or that character, and then you get a slightly tweaked version of roughly the same ending but from maybe from different perspectives silent hill i mean has canonical endings but then also has a wide variety of weird ways the games can end up um uh the ufo ending where uh is, is a is one that has been consistent throughout the series i think the dog ending is not just in silent hill 2 um but I, I might be wrong uh, on that one but you know it, it it runs for a series that is uh very somber and sad uh, it also has these moments of pure humor inhalation that uh, frequently take place at the end. So I do recommend Rob watching the dog, ending. Two dog ending at some point yeah. to understand what has been one of like the longstanding memes that has held from Silent Hill, even as as it's lost uh, like a certain amount of cultural resonance because it just <laughs> the series faded uh, away. And, and specifically, like one thing that's worth pointing out, you know, they announced several games. Like the, the Blooper Team Silent Hill 2 remake that's been long rumored. Um, a, a game coming from No Code, uh, the Annapurna uh, sort of partnered studio that has worked on uh, Observation. And uh, oh, shoot, I always forget the other one. Um, da, da, da. I'll look that up and, and shout it out. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Stories Untold um, with Silent Hill Downfall, and then a new game called Silent Hill uh, F, and then some live some immersive online project where JJ Abrams couldn't be bothered to show up beyond (laughs) issuing a statement to be, to be put on a PowerPoint slide. So a real kind of like spread of, of different things. Um, But one thing that like really struck, stuck out to me uh, beyond like a lot of the discourse about Silent Hill 2 and like where this franchise goes is something that I've always found very notable about Square in particular, right? I think Square has been very good at this over the years is that even as they revisit, their old games, old franchises, um, they have pretty frequently found ways for people to engage with the original work in a way that is relatively consistent to how it was originally presented. You know, I think Final Fantasy Final 7 Fantasy itself is like the pinnacle of this in which they are spending tens of millions of dollars to produce the highest budget multi-game remakes of a game from the 90s. And yet... Every time there's a new platform, they port that old shit to it to make mm-hmm. sure that if you want to buy Final Fantasy VII, you can. And it's basically going to be not only more or less how it was when it was originally released, but hey, we've done tweaks to make the combat or other things like a little more tolerable if you don't want to experience things like grind. And what is part of what has made Silent Hill such a frustrating franchise to follow, um, if you're a fan or even someone that wants to get interested in the series, is that Konami has done... And this also extends to Metal Gear. This is, like, a pretty Konami-specific thing. Um, I mean, the industry itself is is poor at this, but Konami specifically has been frustrating at this, in which there is just no good way to play. Like, let's say you saw the Silent Hill 2 remake. Like, damn, time to go play Silent Hill 2. Okay, where? Um, Well, you could download the PC version, but that's not really going to work unless you download a bunch of mods and, and go down that route. So if you don't feel comfortable with that, well, the PC version is out. Well, didn't they put out, like, an HD, like... Uh, set of that on the PS360, yeah, and it's awful. You just like d- don't even engage with it. It is famously they I think rebuilt it from scratch because they didn't have the original source code and a, a difficult endeavor in the most positive circumstances, and uh, they f- messed it up. <laughs> and it's like not not good. You shouldn't you shouldn't interact with it. Um, and then other than that is uh, well then you have to go down the route of emulation, which it sounds simple enough but is is not as simple as just i would like to play silent hill 2 in the form that it was released on a machine that i own now here is my money please take it and you can't do that with silent hill and one of the worries i have with this remake is that uh is this going to become sort of the the canon silent hill 2 and i mm-hmm. and all for all the the things that go with that even if blooper does a great job even if they do the best version of a Silent Hill 2 that is is possible and defies fan expectations it, it would be nice if also you could just play like alongside this announcement was like and by the way we have ported Silent Hill 2 to PS5 and Xbox and whatever and you know you can go download that that now it's it's just it's unfortunate that, that wasn't part of this announcement because i think it also would give people a chance to have a better sense of what even is that game why is it special mm-hmm. um Cause Silent Hill fans are I say this one who's a Silent Hill fan, but not a fanatic. Silent Hill fans are deranged. Yeah. They have that, been left. Insane. They are they are fully like they've been locked away, ignored, and they have completely lost their minds over the last 20 years. And so like Silent Hill Discourse is a specific sort of like whew, I don't even know if I want to become a fan of this. Do I want part of this discourse that I'm looking at around me? Cuz I see that fi- friends of mine that are Silent Hill fans, and I'm like, your brains have been <laughs> rotted by this franchise.
4: Silent Hill fans are arguing with the lead character designer on Twitter about whether yeah. or not cutscenes yes. that he animated uh had particular aspects of Kanta. It is I mean, it so was a part of that is interesting <laughs> because
3: it's very difficult to engage with Japanese game developers. Very few of them like well like full like fully engage with fans and like there is you know so you have this one key creative, you know, the someone who worked on a lot of the you know uh, artistic direction creative Pyramid Head who is a bit like uh Hideki Kamiya on Twitter and will be like no fucko, like your fan theory sucks and this is not how I intended you to interpret it. And so there's like an interesting tension between fans wanting to interact with a creative and there's a bit of like, you know, death, death of the author discourse. It's like, well, well look, the fans can have this theory, but we we'll look fans. If you go to the creative and ask, how do you like my fan theory? And they go, I don't like it. That's not what I intended. Go have your fan theory somewhere else. Don't look to the creatives to validate right. what you think happens when James looks in the mirror and does he make eye contact with the player, uh, right. which I believe is one of the, the theories that is is constantly floated out uh, in, in Silent Hill.
1: I'm curious, like y'all both have a y'all both don't have great expectations for anything that like Bloober team is doing themselves for one thing, like just that is not generally generally like a a thing that uh like y'all ten, tend to feel implies like a good time and a smart time will be had by all here. I'm curious for a remake, though, to me, one thing that jumped out at me is so much of the presentation like. This is par for the course when you're going back to a, a sacred text, right? Where it's like we're so respectful, we're trying to like, you know, achieve the original vision. Obviously it means so much. But here it, it really did seem like they were going out of their way to sort of try at least reassure us that like uh this is Bluebird team just trying to execute the update the update in a way consistent with the original the original vision. And I'm curious if you're buying what they're selling or uh if the reservations are still there. I'm oh, sorry, did you, it's, I thought you wanted had something to say to start run. Oh, yeah, I mean I
4: I don't think it's like I almost don't think it's a worthy endeavor. Like I I for me, the core of like what Silent Hill 2 is 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 inextricable from the time and platform of its release. And like, I think that trying to re- like do a remaster like this for this specific game is a fool's errand. In a way that it's not for something like Resident Evil Four. I think Resident Evil Four that is a that is a solid impulse and one that will probably turn out good. Uh, I think that Silent Hill is a slightly different beast because of what makes Silent Hill Two stand out for me personally. Well, yeah, because the experience of playing Silent Hill is not
3: why you come to it. Right. right. I think this in some ways comes down to a tension between story and mechanics in which like Silent Hill, you just ignore that you don't like roaming around this environment Um, and you. Oh, no, it's combat. Well, that sucks. I really wish this wasn't here. Um, and and I'm sure that th- that series has its defenders because they have locked themselves in a box and must explain why they enjoy beating these nurses together <laughs> in, with this awkward uh, 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 two by four that I found on the ground. And it, it's just like there's such a clear path towards what is what do you do when you modernize it? Um, um, and. Like, Ren and I were discussing this before it was announced, uh, which is that, okay, if you're going to do the aesthetic refresh, well, you can't make it look like a game in 2023 without then touching the mechanics. And at that point, you're not just doing like a, hey, again, this isn't, we've gone back to the original, done like an HD tuck, like texture pack. Like, we upgraded the textures to 4K. We've right. brought in artists who are, who are just trying to take the original art. And essentially, look, the original art isn't in 4K. So we've done our best to sort of like recreate that pixel to pixel, make it all work. We've added some HDR. Like it isn't that. And once you've gone down that road, it's sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, I do think there is – Silent Hill 2 story is really good, uh, really interesting. And I think there is worth and merit in like bringing that story to – a new audience, knowing that many people are not going to play a game from the early 2000s to experience it. Um, but just to my like, to the original point, I wish I wish both paths were possible in which you could play that original game. And if you think that's sacrilege or that it's basically impossible not to screw up, uh, that, that you that both paths were were in front of you in terms of how you wanted mm-hmm. to experience that story. Because I think Silent Hill 2 for all of the knocks I'm I'm making against its mechanics Mm -hmm. and sort of the experience of, of experience it as a, as a game, you know, like that game has difficulty sliders for combat and for puzzle. Like you can't quite get it to, uh, like, uh, like I'm just wandering around a game, invincible territory, Mm -hmm. but you can make it alongside a walkthrough, something that is, I'm just engaging with the world, the atmosphere and the story. And if you were to just up res that stuff, it would remain pretty powerful, um, and an experience that I think would resonate for, for a lot of folks. But they've gone down this path and there's just no winning. Even the the original creative staff. Yeah. The, once you once you once you do this, um, there's a reason that a game like Final Fantasy VII made the very specific story choices that it did, uh, in terms of timelines that it sort of allow it to sidestep that question. Mm-hmm. Um, um you know, wor- there's a world you could do that here, too. And Silent Hill is sort of a, a world and you could do almost anything. It's a game that encourages
4: um, – it's a series that encourages something, the kind of – I don't of- think it
3: would matter, though. Silent Hill 2 fans, again, yeah. of which I count myself among them, I th- I just don't think there was any winning win- winning with this one. And then they picked Blooper Team, which was just like, well, you p- – like, like it would already have been hard- – this is a big hill. And then, like, you put cement boots on <laughs> as, as your – and it's specifically because the most recent game – to, to try and give some context for folks, like without going into like the story specifics, you can go read up on the, the the issues people have with the, the, the story of, of the medium. But the most recent game that blooper made was a game that, that specifically said, what if we made a studio that specializes in horror has made a lot of money making horror games over the last decade said, let's make a silent Hill style game. And they didn't make a very good one. And there are lots of things in the story that are not just bad, but, Egregious and offensive and yeah. and pretty disgusting. And so, giving that studio then Silent Hill, a game which is like a pretty like as Rob said, a sacred text in terms of relationships. Like, there's just so much like humanity that that story speaks to. That it's just when we were talking about when you start touching things, it's like, well, are you going to touch the script? Yeah. How can you not touch the script? You know. And if you if you don't touch the script, then you know maybe there's a path where. People don't like how James's face looks, um, you know, updated, but you could still get a decent through line on the story that it is trying to tell about these relationships. And I, I just, I just don't know where all that messily ends up.
4: Right. And like, I- even if you don't touch the script, what do you can do about that performance? Right. Like so much of, of. Right.
3: They're doing motion capture now. So it's, it has to be different voice actors. Like right. it has, it, it, it is going to be different performances like, from everyone.
4: That original voice actor sucks as a guy, like, like full, full stop. Yes, but that performance is so singular, all the performances in that game are so singular, it feels really hard to, one recreate them, but also this is where the, the fidelity aspect comes in. I think it is difficult to recreate those performances in like the current fidelity because like a note about Silent Hill 2, uh, uh like CG, I'm uh, not CG uh, FMV cutscenes. they aren't motion capped. They are hand animated. The facial animation is hand animated, which is what gives it this really uncomfortable sense of almost personhood because they are, there is a video of a person that is being, that, the, that an animator is trying his fucking damnedest to exactly. Well, it's, watch. it's
3: awkward and it, it matches like Silent Hill is a horror franchise, but it's melodrama. Like, listen to the soundtrack. Like, it is not, it's not quite camp, but it's, it's like exists in that tonal space. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is not straight horror. It is, it is something d- different. Um, that is incredibly hard to nail down. And I think, I think to your, you know, to your point, Ren, like that's why I'm like in many ways more excited about Silent Little F, which is, or, or uh, the no codes game, uh, Townfall, which is just go do, take those, take these bones. These bones could be lit. You could build literally
4: anything. Wait, are they saying um, it's,
2: are they, have they said it's F by the way? Or is it actually Probably Forte.
4: Like Forte? Forte, Forte. yeah. I'm, Silent I'm Hill curious. Forte is a good name. It's a good name.
3: Uh, I mean, it's written out as Silent Hill F, um, okay. but uh, obviously, yes, there could be implications on what that, what that, what that means. Or just the, of...
2: the, the F, speci- the, specifically the F they used was, yeah. the musical notation, yeah, right. so it's like, hmm.
1: It means Silent Hill wants everyone to have a good sound system to play it on.
2: Mm. Not, not, not so Silent Hill.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm, 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 uh mm-hmm. also I don't like the fact that Pyramid Head is not t- called Pyramid Head. The fact they kept referring to Pyramid Head as a uh, Black Pyramid thing. Uh, Pyramid really thing? Me. That's <laughs> well, what I they call it,
4: I, the director doesn't call him Pyramid Head. The guy who correct, made him refuses is, to call him Pyramid
3: that Head. That is that is a fan that is a fan's was labeled pyramid head after the fact, but is not actually referred right. to as red pyramid pyramid thing. head in the text. I
1: think, but I think when you replace a character's head with a giant pyramid, <laughs> like their pyramid head, I, like, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh,
3: also, yeah, red, I don't know if that red, red I, I, I don't, triangle that might be, head, not
2: even pyramid, oh, just triangle.
3: <laughs> I don't know if that is it, them uh, respecting like that creative's wishes of like, look, they don't they don't refer to it that way, and so
1: neither will we i don't know uh so one thing i want to hit before we uh take a break here uh you know we were busy as this discourse got underway uh but bayonet 3 is out this week its launch has been a little bit overshadowed by a controversy around its voice actor uh patrick what was the original story around the fact that uh helena taylor is is not reprising her role uh in this game and how's that sort of been complicated uh, in the day since.
3: Yeah. So Helena Taylor, who voiced Bayonetta in the original two games, um, posted a series of videos that went viral pretty quickly um, because she uh, alleged that the Nintendo and the developer Platinum games were uh, offering her a very low ball offer. Um, certainly not even just from her perspective, objectively, if you were to take it at face value, of four thousand dollars to reprise uh her role in the new game, a game that's been in development for an extremely long time. I mean, it's been like not quite 10 years, but like plus more than five years since Bayonetta 3 was, was first announced. It's been a while. That's why people were worried this game wasn't gonna come out at some point. Um she not only like shared this information to explain why she rejected working on on the title, um, but that she was trying to call for a broader boycott of of the game. Uh, in general, as a result of the treatment uh, she was uh, alleging, uh, one of the, the quotes in her videos. Uh, if you're someone who cares about people, who cares about the world around you, who cares about who gets hurt with these financial decisions, then I urge you to boycott uh, this game. I mean, you know, this goes hand in hand with a, l- a longstanding, not understanding, but like fact, that voice actors in video games, in anime, basically not in Hollywood productions, are are frequently treated poorly, paid poorly, do not get to have participations in things like royalties. That was a sticking point in a sag uh strike from some from, from years back, I believe in 2016. They ended up not, as a result of the strike, they were trying to get royalties um, that would go along for like video game voice actors. They conceded that point in exchange for, I believe, higher pay um, on subsequent like follow-up voice sessions because um, that could strain their voice. Um, and so, uh, t- you know, Taylor's, admission you know sort of coming forward about all this fell very much neatly in line with a broader understanding of how folks like yourself are treated um are cogs in a in machines uh that make a lot of money we've it was famously years ago the grand theft auto one of the grand theft auto four voice actors talking about like how am i a part of uh this game that makes hundreds of millions of dollars and i was paid you know a a, a fraction of that like this is a common and and discussed refrain um and that's without even getting into union non-union stuff mm-hmm. that frequently uh, happens in uh invoice act and go look up the mob psycho situation that just recently happened um in terms of like what happens if you even just raise the notion of having a meeting with a union rep down the line mm-hmm. um so after this happens this raises a lot of criticism and ire at Platinum and Nintendo, um, there is a an extensive report from Jason Schreier over at Bloomberg um, uh, that, you know, seems to sh- uh, shine a little more light on the situation. I'll read directly um, from Schreier's report. Uh, quote, in the case of Bandit 3, the developer appeared to determined to retire uh, rehire uh, Taylor, um, according to two people familiar with the negotiations, as well as documentation reviewed by Bloomberg. Here's where their accounts differ. Platinum Games sought to hire Taylor for at least five sessions, each paying $3,000 to $4,000 for four hours in the studio, said the People, who asked not to be identified because they aren't authorized to discuss private contract negotiations. That would make the total for the game at least $15,000. In response, they said Taylor asked for a six-figure sum as well as residuals on the game. Platinum declined and following lengthy negotiations took auditions for a new actor. Platinum later offered Taylor a cameo in the game for uh, the fee of one session, which she turned down the people said. Uh, Platinum Nintendo later went with Jennifer Hale, who is a like really well-known mm-hmm. uh, voice actor in in the game space um, that had done a lot of really high-profile work, including um, FemShep and Mass Effect, um, among many others. Uh, Hale issued a statement uh, essentially saying she couldn't say anything due to an NDA, and probably also because she, she didn't want to get into it. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, that sort of like leaves us where we are now as another bayonetta discourse uh unfolds uh in regards to kind of where that that story ends up in the in the third game, although but we don't have access to the game quite yet um though so hopefully we'll we'll have that in the coming days, but yeah, this was a very up and down roller coastery uh situation in which it sounds like uh like two things can be true from my perspective that it seems like Taylor was a little misleading on the the facts of the matter if you believe. The reporting from Bloomberg, which also was in some ways backed up from, I believe, a separate report at Axios, and that also voice actors are treated like crap and exploited and um, aren't paid uh, well enough. And I think the unfortunate thing from here is, like, if this, if something like the, if you if you buy the the subsequent reporting um, on Taylor's claims, that does that undermine future, you know, the ability for future voice actors to, you know, fight fight for better situations for themselves and their and their colleagues. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's a weird thing because it kind of, like, the $4,000 figure was, like, shocking, right? Uh, sure. And it was like, okay, that's that's an absurd uh, lo- lowball offer. Uh, I, I would say, like, for for completed work on a, a game like this, though, like, 4,000 multiplied by, you know, let's, let's say it goes long. It's a half dozen sessions. Still feels, like, kind of light. For mm-hmm. uh, like uh, like a thing like this, and that's kind of the weird thing is, in 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 a weird way, it's like the the initial offers, uh, the 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 initial offer that was like uh the 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 Taylor sort of mentioned uh sounded awful. The the actual offer was considerably better than that. Still not good. I mean, if, uh, yeah, like look, if you you know if you do the hour to,
3: you know, what is the hourly rate that Taylor is getting out of let's say. 15 grand, uh, that might sound good. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, you know, let's say that, you know, that's, I don't know, 500, 600 dollars an hour. I don't know exactly the hour count that they were asking yeah. for her to participate in a, in a voiceover session, but do, like <laughs> it's only, it's still only $15,000. Um, and you know, we have no understanding of like what else is, what other VO stuff is she doing? Like yeah. how much does that $15,000 represent, you know, uh, what she considers to be like her annual income. Like they only make a Bayonetta game once every seven to eight years. And so it's not unreasonable to think, I I don't know if they're going to make another one of these. Like I I would like to cash in on what is clearly one of Nintendo's biggest games of the holiday season. Uh, I don't think it's unreasonable to shoot for the moon on something like that.
4: It's also worth noting that to my knowledge, video game voice acting is a notoriously hard on voices. Um, yep. even among other like voice acting, um, like, uh, fields like it is, it is notoriously rough because there's a lot of like high, the en- grunts, the it grun- yeah. yeah. A lot of high energy, a lot of vocal strain. Uh, and so like those sessions are not including the payment for those sessions is also probably including the downtime required to properly recover. So you can go into your next session without like fucking your shit up tremendously. Um, I mean, it's a weird situation where like, ah, damn, (laughs) the person who sucks was right. Fuck. Like that is an extreme oversimplification. But like that is one of the many potential outcomes here is being like, man, this situation was misrepresented in a way that, uh, doesn't seem fair to really anyone involved. Uh, but also the situation still sucks like that. This person has bad takes. Uh, and uh, presented the story in a shitty way, sucks. But so too does, like, the way that the actual structure um, is. And it is a shame that that structure is being embodied in this particular situation that is going to leave people with, like, a particular taste in their mouth. Uh, And the last thing I want is for this to get in the way of... Other efforts, like, for example, uh, the mob psycho situation uh, and in crunchy Rolls, consistent uh, unwillingness to work with union. Oh, yeah, As bad
3: as game sounds, sounds like anime is <laughs> like so much worse. It's so much
4: worse. It is. They will drop you at the at the. If you whisper the word union, they will drop your ass. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is really, really bad um, there.
3: Yeah. I think the mob psycho yeah and the mob psycho situation was specifically where uh one of the main voice actors all they didn't want it even to be a union gig. It was just, hey, as a result of this, could we just agree like kind of on a handshake that like you would meet with a union rep to talk yeah. about how that might work in the future? Yeah. but the wait, it's okay It's like we're this one's already passed, like I'm just trying to pay it forward and look out for my colleagues and yada, yada yada, and yeah, control' like nah, like what if what if we find someone else that would do it for? For cheaper, and would love love to be in this series, which is like something you can hold over
1: the heads of of folks, um, well, especially, especially when if when you're one of the only companies operating at the scale. Well, of, that the holding, consolidation yeah. of anime is also like a huge, 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 huge component of
3: of that situation, and many others. Like Sony owns anime right at this point. Uh, of, is my understanding? Yeah,
4: I mean, if Crunchyroll isn't working with you, who is? Like, that's that is the problem. Is that, like Crunchyroll also owns or has a working re- business relationship with Funimation? There are all of these layers, uh, or Sony owns Funimation. There are all of these layers of like consolidation that make it so like certain policies don't just apply to one company, uh, and and things are exceptionally tumultuous. Um, and also, anime voice acting, like video games, is can be extremely strenuous in a way that other forms of voice acting just aren't because there's a lot of, um, barks. Uh, yes. And, <laughs> yeah, and so there's grunts. a lot of
3: stylization that, right. I, that just sounds just, I mean, listen to an anime and you can just imagine, you know, th- there's a lot of more kind of like work going in to produce that kind of voice. than is probably a little further off the range than your natural voice. Right. Um, uh, might be.
4: And listen, I can I can say uh, uh, a, a speaking voice Marge Simpson is easier than any character yelling <laughs> any character. yelling, speaking a chill Marge. Fucking cakewalk. Anybody yelling? No, no, no.
1: <laughs> Put Marge in an anime. Well, I'm actually, as a decent example, though, of like, uh, you know, the weird thing is we often think about, like, it's only cast to play a character. And you think, OK, that character mostly like talks and chats with other characters, maybe like you know yells at an occasional adversary but you don't think about the uh so marge can die uh 70 different ways during this game and uh in different circumstances and so can you uh just like imagine your marge is being impaled uh on a spike trap uh can you scream as Marge and like that just all day all day long of like "Mm, could have been more agonizing
4: yeah like an oh homie
1: that's easy that's that's kitchen.
4: Versus like any yell awful. Penis.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and specifically it's interesting, like even just like the Simpsons example, like that those are a block of voice actors who a number of times over the the the, the, the running of the Simpsons have essentially like gotten up to like sort of like a group strike as they as they fought to get more money yeah. um as the as the seasons went on. And that is it's what's interesting there is that Yes, you can replace them, but that was like them running up to Okay, well, can we how much of that materially impact the quality of the the show? And then what's unique to to video games uh, or maybe like exaggerates this this specific like point of the discussion is I mean, yeah, video games have stories. How many people are paying attention to them? Like yeah. the data, the underlying data suggests that they're not. Um and that as much as I appreciate the story in world of Bayonetta and that the voice act, like I find that key to my enjoyment of what is otherwise an excellent action game as well. I mean, essentially like you can imagine game publishers, like not even just like, you know, platinum and Nintendo being able to say, I mean, like they just don't give a shit who says it. Like you're Mm -hmm. just giving them the quest anyway. And so that like limits, you know, the, that limits combined with probably the relative anonymity of a lot of these voice actors, uh, their ability to apply pressure. So you have someone like Taylor who throws a Hail Mary and as as messy as that Hail that Hail Mary might might be as it's thrown, um you know, you you can imagine there aren't that many levers for people to mm-hmm. pull on. Like you say no and it just means well not only do you not get that job, I mean who do they work right. with? You're going to get the next
1: job? Uh you know, ironically, having talked this much about uh, voice acting, uh, the next thing we're going to talk about after the break involves some—I uh, don't know—for me, celebrity voice acting. Uh, we will—we're going to take a quick break. When we return, uh, Patrick, I do want to hear about Toby Ziegler, all father of Asgard, uh, and how you've <laughs> been getting on with God of War Ragnarok. Uh, right after this break. Obviously, I wasn't able to do my homework uh, with all the the family stuff and and save point. No one could juggle uh, the the needs of family and mm-hmm. traveling for a work event. So I'm just going to assume uh, you haven't you haven't played much Ragnarok, right? Like that's <laughs> like we're in the same boat. No,
3: I I made my own little uh, kingdom Shit. back at the hotel room. I yeah. I, I, bar- I borrowed Kato's. Well my PS five that it's I then very sold to Kato. It's
2: yeah. It's very funny that A I bought it off of you. So there's some some mm-hmm. lineage here. But B There is. I brought a PS five to the set just in case there was some sort of a Silent Hill thing, which there was no demo yes. that was worth checking out. And so the only use it got was Patrick taking <laughs> it, was it back. It was for me for one, to, yeah, yeah, one night one where night.
3: <laughs> I was like, I'm going to make sure I'm back, back in the hotel by 11 so that I could play this for 90 minutes um, in case we talked about on the live stream where I wanted to get ahead of things before we um, did this podcast. But yeah, I have been playing, um, I think, like four hours now of, of God of War uh, Ragnarok. There's sort of like the final... Uh, sort of like a preview layer before the reviews for this game, um, drop in a in a in a bit. It's not for like, it's it's like for another two weeks before I can say very much more about this game. But um, God of War Ragnarok. Did did you like the other God of War? Um, that's just me raising my hand because I'm the only one that on this podcast that regularly plays any of these games. So, uh, um, I I I, I did. Reviewed the original God of War for for waypoint back when that uh that game originally came out. Um it was a game that I, I quite liked, um, with reservations about um it, you know, it, God of war followed in the the lineage of datification um, that has taken over uh not just Sony's uh story driven uh projects, but is definitely part of uh something we've seen happen. Um uh, in the last, like, 10 years,
1: especially. Um, but and dedication of- is often attended by brutal mom kill.
3: Yeah, well, so in God of War, <laughs> specific mom kill. So in God of War, she's just, like, she, there is no, we, the, the mom does not, you know, die in some violent fashion at the beginning of the movie to remove her from from the story in order for for uh, Kratos and his son to go off on an adventure. She's just not present. She is present. She's extremely important. She's vital vital to the story right. but is not actually present to 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 be to be a uh, a face there's there's basically only one main uh uh like woman in the story Freya uh who who appears for a brief period period of time uh, but it is very much like a story about men fatherhood
1: being sons well, and uh and one thing dia wrote in in her piece about uh that god of war though was the like the the matriarchal mirror relationship mm-hmm. of uh, of what what you're doing as the player uh, is kind of a but what a what if a mom was, was, was kind of like twisted or what if the son was evil basically right it yeah. was like the, what the, the protectiveness of motherhood uh, making you bad right and and so
3: like this exists in the broader context of of the that that God of War game being it, it is a uh, sort of a, narr- not, it's 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 not a reboot. It's like, it certainly recontextualizes the combat of God of War, moving mm-hmm. it from sort of an overhead perspective um, to, like, behind the shoulder, making it a more traditional sort of brawler, um, um, but continues the story in which, like, there have been, but prior to God of War 5, 5-ish, depending on if you count PSP and other sort of things, like, about, you know, Kratos, who is just, just a piece of shit, you know? Um, like, you know, this is a series in which multiple times, like, Kratos, like, takes... Naked screaming women like throws them into like a series of like mechanical objects he is twisting in order to like move a bridge down because it requires a blood sacrifice from a virgin like that's not exactly what happens but I remember doing Basically. things awfully close to that in the God of War I Horse think they series. might have
2: technically been harpies.
3: <laughs> no, there were definitely just innocent women that I was oh, yeah. murdering, etc. Right. Yes, there are naked harpies, but there were definitely people. If they wrote in, like, there is a, like, there's a specific moment that I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the exact context of. But anyway, it's like it's a very dude bro, but extremely fun. Like of the era, like those games were tremendously fun to play. Kratos was like a really, like vividly drawn character. They did a lot of awful things, and the game didn't celebrate that. But I don't know that it was going out of its way to be like you should feel bad either. And so with the with the, the game in 2016 sort of like sets out to recast is uh Kratos discovers he has a son um you know the mother you know the mother is out of the picture. Um what does someone that knows nothing but violence, knows nothing but darkness uh do with a son um that slowly begins not to quite soften him but he's how, how does someone like that figure out how they what does it mean to parent? And and I think Plenty of like legitimate criticisms, like th- like the arrow strike a God of War story, um, in, in many ways that are, are notable. But I generally found that to be like for what it was aiming for, like a pretty touching and moving story that I was curious to see where it went. Um, and in the hour so far I played of God of War Ragnarok, it's, did you like that last one? Well we're back baby. Um let's just do let's just do more of that. Um and so at this point it's even difficult for me to say too much about what's happened. I've not I've not encountered I think the like I'm not spoiling anything cuz I can't say that I've encountered the, the, the character that uh, or maybe I ha- I don't know. Let's just I can't say much about what you want me to talk about, Rob, <laughs> um, because basically I everything. going to play this game myself. Everything that I, well, that requires you playing a game. Um wow. And uh, everything, everything that like in the NDA that I signed was basically like, please don't talk about the story. Um, and like, so all I can really speak to is like what's happening mechanically, which I want to spend more time figuring out what is the depths of those mechanical changes. I do remember the first game getting awfully tired of the loot system i was fine with the skill tree but like a lot of like swapping between like what's on kratos to wristband and then like which shield is he carrying then i'm and then you're upgrading all that stuff i found that to be a little tiresome for a game that was not 10 to 15 hours long but was 25 to thirty hours long and i've only played about four or five hours of this game but i've talked to people who have p- played more of it um involved in the project and it's a it's a long one Um, and and, and it it may be longer than, than the original game. Um, but the the stuff that I do like is I, I do like some of the wrinkles they brought to the combat, which is like, for example, like, um, you know you're 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 hitting uh triangle was not a button that very much did very much in the original game now here is sort of imbued with like different elemental things like uh, you're you're imbuing frost onto your axe you're uh, you're you're whipping the chains to like kind of like uh, gear them up with fire before you uh, hit them and the game is then playing with different elemental effects um but it's all like sort of I could go on and on about the little bits except that my, the early report is if you liked it, This is another one for better for better or worse. I don't know how it's going to address or not address some of those storytelling criticisms from the original early on. There's not really space for them to do that. Um, But I'm curious where where that goes going forward. Um, I liked the first one. My guess is I'm going to like this one, too. But there isn't anything here that suggests to me like if Ragnarok didn't work for you or the original didn't work for you, that Ragnarok is going to be suddenly like, well, damn, like they've taken a big, they've taken a real different angle on this one, um, even from a storytelling perspective. And and this is the one for me. It's like, I just no, they're making a pretty straightforward uh, sequel um, to a game that more or less kind of just demanded a straightforward sequel to just see where the story goes. From it's here, kind of so. definitely
1: showed, like it ain't broke. Like it's not like no, it, like, I it was not, it like, was
3: not broke. Like when this game launched on steam, it was extremely popular. Like yeah. um, um, it is, it, it it is what it is, um, and so that's I, I, that's enough for me now. Ask me in 20 hours if that's how I feel, because I also felt that way towards the end of the original God of War was, cool, okay, um, can we, like, sort of speed it along uh, towards towards the end here? But uh, this is definitely one of those games that I felt like, I talked to people who worked on the original and even the sequel, and they're like, this is too long. And then it comes out, and the audience is just, What? That's not a crit you know, and not in not in the sort of way that we often talk about this. Like they mm-hmm. just couldn't get enough of what was there. Mm-hmm. Um, even as the folks that worked on it felt like in 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 both for Ragnarok and this one were like, this is no. This, this this is why these games are too difficult to build, because you shouldn't make a game at this like fidelity. That is mm-hmm. also this long. Um, and I don't think they changed any of that for for Ragnarok. So, uh, yeah, I'll check back in in, I think, two weeks when I can speak more to in detail about where this goes. But, again, I liked the first one. Like this one, too. I'm curious to see where, where, where it takes sort of the relationship with Kratos um, and his son from here. And if they – I don't know. We'll see if some women show up. I'll report back.
1: <laughs> Wonder what will happen to them. Uh, <laughs> so, Patrick, you – You know what? I did play a game. Oh, wow. Wow.
2: Okay, that's right.
1: Yeah. You're like, you play a game. Well, let me tell you. Yeah. uh, I like had a day off and I like spent a couple hours thinking about what I should play rather than playing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of spun my wheels on that. (laughs) Took some pills. Nice. Suddenly felt like, hell yeah, I can make a choice now. Uh don't like how completely uh like predictable that like cycle is now at this point, but still uh you know, obviously Victoria 3, the game of the moment, definitely my wheelhouse. Uh oh, so no, I'm I, reading this card in our planning. I what okay, did you do, let me, Rob let me go to the card? I fired and, up excuse me. XCOM UFO Defense. The original so Jesus.
4: Christ, the he's first sick. One.
1: He's so sick. I,
4: Help i him.
1: i i scared you all you were like no this is why i didn't play terror from the deep i'm gonna go back no. to the i'm gonna go back to the original so and also terror from the deep might actually be better uh wow, like, okay coming to it year like you know it's weird terror from the deep there's two there were two knocks against it one is like as is often the case back then the sequels that come out a year later are basically just like more of the same right and this mm-hmm. was terror of the deep it's like it doesn't even it doesn't even really feel like you're underwater. You're just you're it's just a reskin of the game. Uh that was a knock against it. And two it was hard as hell. Coming to it from the vantage of like it's like thirty years later. Uh Tear from the Deep is the slightly more expansive, more refined Xcom it's the the V 2.0 that they made effectively i I was warned people mentioned on Twitter it does get like obnoxiously hard uh, later There's like a notorious mm-hmm. cruise ship uh, level where it's like you saw me play Xcom, and it was like largely like breaching clearing a single spaceship on an open battle map was like hard enough. The cruise ships are legitimately you go in size like a carnival cruise ship. And you are controlling all your little dudes across a multi-level, like dense cruise ship, going stateroom by stateroom. Oh my god! Yes. Uh, and oh my so god. every yeah, it does. It sounds awesome, but I'm telling you, it never is. The same way Drossen <laughs> Hospital in uh, not Drossen, um, fuck the hospital in Jagged Alliance Two. So I can't remember the name of it, but it's a nightmare too. Anyway, uh, so I was like, I'm gonna play XCOM, and XCOM is good. That's what that's what I'm here to say. Uh, I I dig it. I. It is so obnoxious to me that the things that make XCOM really, really cool is that there's a ton of little dudes to move around. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of fuss every turn. You saw this Mm -hmm. playing on save point. Like, there, your squads are so big. The aliens could be anywhere. There is so much time just spent slowly, like, creeping across the map but also that creates such a profound sense of tension as you're going out there. And the other thing that XCOM does that like modern XCOM just doesn't uh, like this notion of your first warning that you're approaching an enemy will not be a little cutscene where like the pod sees you and scatters the way like modern XCOM does your first warning is going to be like, a flurry of laser beams. <laughs> three just three, cutting three, cutting three someone troops down. dead. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just Jesus. out of nowhere. And <laughs> the fact that like the game will play that way makes it really interesting in a way a lot of modern tactics games are not, because like the unit numbers are you know, like in a modern tactics game, you can't just like massacre three characters mm-hmm. in one go and like you can just absorb that easily.
4: That's your buddy Eric. He's got like six traits. You don't want to lose Eric's six traits. So we can't let three of we can't let Eric <laughs> Well, and
1: especially well, because the tightness of the design means that Eric fulfills a really important role that like right. the whole your whole game combos off of what he can well, they're do. They're almost hero characters,
3: way. right? Like they're yeah. they're they're characters, not units. And right. that seems like a pretty important distinction between where a lot of these games, XCOM especially, goes in modern incarnations where like their their characters on a a deck of cards that each one's important not just sort of like you know fodder to figure out what the map not, looks like not
4: boris Shudarov, so rob <laughs> could remember the names of the characters so he you know what things like Shooterov and pitch uh
1: so honestly though i think that's been a smart move i've started naming like grenadiers after quarterbacks and pitchers <laughs> um
4: <laughs> sorry
1: oh my god How's uh, Randy Johnson and then been? if somebody's awesome at th- like right now there's only one guy mm-hmm. who was like man these shooting stats are nuts so brave also and got a hell of an arm that was shohei otani and that is now captain <laughs> shohei uh, my XCOM day my XCOM day game now has captain shohei otani uh, uh who's just so what like, they, what is, what, is, what dual threat are they uh they're crack shot, they don't panic under fire, and they can fling a grenade uh like from oh, so deep that's outfield their home, that's home, their home run equivalent. Okay, all right, I love yeah. it. I love it. Uh and so like but, but of course now the character Shohei is clearly my best character in this XCOM game. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I am now being very precious about Shohei, and yeah. the entire squad exists to set Shohei up for big wins. Because I don't want Shohei to be the one to just take a laser beam like to the face out of nowhere. Can right. I ask have you some kind of questions?
4: Yeah. Oh, sorry. I no,
2: was just gonna case. make... I, I was just gonna ask, have you named anyone Nick Foles yet?
1: Uh, man, I think, like, <laughs> Good Arm, Big Bravery. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we're calling it now? <laughs> big
4: Bravery big Nick. Arms. That's why I got that statue.
2: <laughs>
4: oh, fuck. So the thing I don't know about the earlier XCOMs yeah. uh, is that clearly in, in terror from the deep, as we saw on stream, there are a lot of weapons. The idea, like, like you have to research Gauss pistol and then Gauss pistol magazine. Right. And the thing I'm wondering is that so much of the, of the current generation of XCOM games to me is about different characters fulfilling roles on the basis of their equipment. Right. Like mm-hmm. I love a sniper is, is there, do you have that kind of like, role delineation here or is it like you are fielding of uh like 16 guys all with the games like m4 equivalent uh
1: um, you know what's weird is i think it does but actually on a different so XCOM is sniper happy it's like yes. you know what's cool being a sniper uh and also it's like i think i think you and i have talked about this the the change in like what is and we talked about this with the predator on the films on my turn mm-hmm. where like what was cool in the 80s is like being a jack dude who's just like unloading an automatic weapon from right. the hip into the jungle. Like that's being a badass. Right. And then, like in the late 90s and then like the war on terror era, everything pivots to like tier one operations, like slow as smooth, smooth as fast, like precision. Yes. And I think XCOM is sort of a product of that. Mm hmm. XCOM. Uh UFO defense, aka Anime Unknown in the mm-hmm. UK, is a little closer to the uh 80s vision of like how the character classes would break down. And so genuinely the the assault rifles that people are carrying around are the game identifies these effectively as the sniper weapons uh right. in the game. The things that are like specialists are out there toting around. Are the giant like gatling guns and shit? And And those are wildly useful in this game where it's like, you know, we saw a little bit of this in uh, Terror from the Deep and uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown is quick to introduce it as well. Uh, The fact that dudes are like basically carrying around bazookas uh, is a weapon you're going to have to bust out and use. And like the modern XCOM games, The person carrying the big support weapon is basically used as a crowd control, uh, like caster, almost Mm -hmm. like the weapon is even imagined as its primary utility being lethality. It is primarily there to, like, create suppression casts or 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 create cover. Yeah.
4: I'm sorry, Uh, destroy cover. I apologize.
1: Right. Whereas, yeah, like playing enemy unknown, it's like, you know, what is the most like, what is the coolest thing somebody can do? Uh, You send a jacked soldier through a mm-hmm. doorway carrying a Gatling gun, uh, like the size of a garbage can mm-hmm. and have them just ventilate a room full of aliens.
4: Uh, a thing that I'm curious about based on watching you play, uh, yeah. over the, uh, uh, Terror from the deep over the, over the stream. It, the game allows you to shoot at a tile, even if you don't know if an alien is actually there. Are you getting the just fi- like guy with a machine gun or Gatling gun firing wildly into the jungle moment of I'm going to have guy a blow open, us blow open the side of the ship and then guy B just fill it with fire and see what it will see what gets hit.
1: So I haven't used the area fire as much to just try that stuff mm-hmm. out, but I have seen like the utility of um I had a fight in a forest basically the other day that was literally The aliens were also just blazing away, like shots are going everywhere. And like, what is a dense stand of forest ends up being like denuded of trees by the end, basically. Mm -hmm. And and there, that was a case where I've got like, as my lead elements are joined by more and more troops, I do have people just like going full auto and just like hosing down uh, Mm -hmm. the alien positions we've identified. And at that point, tons of cover is eroding. Uh, etc so you do it you like i was surprised actually how well it did get at that which is it was an actual forest when the first elements made contact and then as it escalated from skirmish to like straight up battle it's the the battle the battlefield changed and became how, open ground how frequently
4: are those are those like areas feeling dynamic because that's like i think actually a, a struggle of of a lot of like current tactics games is that the field you're fighting on either is not dynamic, or is dynamic in ways that feel constructed. Um, like, oh, there can be an oil trap over here, yeah. right? And that ch- that is dynamic; it changes how the field of play. But you're not actually, or like, you can blow up a, a some cover in XCOM, or like take out a building, but like it, it, it won't feel different in that way. Um, is this yeah. is this a rare occurrence or common?
1: No, I think it's, I think it's fairly common I don't think it's, yeah it's not dynamic the way like you you find in in a lot of like newer games where you do have sort of the affordance of here's the thing that's going to burst into flame if 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 hit mm. uh but the funny thing is that what changes all this is the fact that like the maps are fairly wide open, the alien can be anywhere, and they will fuck off if they don't like the fight like it is not like you know in modern xcom in a lot of cases the aliens will sort of hold their position and your job is to sort of unlock it, figure Mm. out how to get like the the good high percentage shot on them. The aliens will just retreat deeper uh, Mm. across like open ground, forcing you to traverse it. Uh, And so you better have lots of smokes that you can pop because uh, you're going to have to advance multiple times undercover, or you are going to have to start taking those like low percentage shots, just hoping that like from sheer weight of fire heading down range, you'll clip them. Mm. Uh, which by the way, you will. Uh the aliens also will friendly fire each other. Yeah. Like one one thing that saved my ass was miscalculated, went like breached the alien spaceship, uh, and an alien had enough like over enough time units on him to trigger Overwatch and panic fired effectively and dropped the two aliens at the door. Fuck and yes. Was left <laughs> with a one on one with a dude of the Gatling gun the next turn. Um, and I was like, well, that's cool. Uh, cause that, that level of friendly fire just doesn't like friendly fire is a, right. like kind of off the board in, in modern. It's XCOM. not a mechanic. Yeah. Whereas here. Yeah. There's the, always the sense of like these shots go anywhere, uh, which is cool.
4: I guess my last question about like the difference in like the, the, the way the series has evolved over time is that like, does the, so much of XCOM, uh, the modern XCOM, is about this fantasy of a very particular kind of warfare. Uh, this, like, defensive, attritional war. Mm-hmm. Semi-defensive, semi-offensive, uh, attritional war, right? Where you are, like, the 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 kind of management layer. Does the management layer of UFO defense feel like it has different priorities? Or like it is emerging from a different mold than modern XCOM? Or yeah. is modern XCOM an extension of the interests of the original like series
1: i feel like uh so modern xcom i i feel like both games don't really nail their campaign structure particularly mm-hmm. well but like uh xcom ufo defense exists. like there are a lot of games like this where the mold is fundamentally uh is your biz- is, is, is a small business operation effectively mm-hmm. uh you know it's the lemon state lemonade stand model of ufo defense and that's kind of what's in play uh in these games, and I think a big a big part of it is it does feel a little bit less like you're being served up narrative checkpoints, and it does feel a lot more like you are building out infrastructure and an organization like genuinely like I started playing this recently uh Xcom feels more like football manager uh than it does mm. like modern xcom is the mm. is the way I would put it uh which is very funny.
4: Do you feel the difference between what is probably the Cold War as a touchstone for the original XCOM versus like the War on Terror in 2012 uh, for 2012 XCOM? Like, is is that a distance that's felt or is it?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, XCOM is post Cold War, and I think it actually does feel like a game that is that it's reference frame of reference is not Cold War. Uh, okay, it, it does feel like. Okay, like like there's no notion of power blocks that are being navigated. Unlike Terra mm-hmm. Invicta, for instance, mm-hmm. it's kind of this like, uh, you know, 90s triumph of neoliberalism. Like we have a we have a global problem. We'll create a global institution to help combat right. it, and everyone's going to contribute and and work together. Uh, whereas yeah, like XCOM, uh, you know the the new the newer Fraxis games is much more like special operations, like zip yeah. lining, uh, into yeah. Into some far flung place uh, and wreaking all kind of havoc there. Yeah. Um, and I think you know one one major difference just in the presentation is, in XCOM your troops warp across the planet to wherever the action is. You know, yeah. it is XCOM is is always there and always ready to respond again. And almost the, uh, you know the superhero mold of they're they're always ready ready and, and able to respond uh whereas yeah XCOM enemy unknown is very much like if you don't have radar and interceptor coverage of mm-hmm. a part of the world that part of the world is not covered uh XCOM is not going to get there or not going to get there fast enough to yep. like you know UFOs at the edge of your detection range at the end edge of your flight range are effectively not going to get shot down uh Mm -hmm. and they will raise whatever havoc they're going to and that's what that's what's going to cause people to basically stop stop subscribing to the xcom project but that's that's another part of this which is like if you're going to protect the planet in xcom Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to build a planetary defense network yeah like an actual one
4: yeah yeah yeah. got it this is this is fascinating
1: so now having gotten a few good missions in xcom and i'm like this is cool uh i was unfortunately told I should just play some mods. Hmm. Uh, I need to get oh, with the open God. XCOM project. There's mm. been a lot of stuff. Yeah, a lot of people mentioning tightened. the open thing. Are you are you aware of the XCOM beginner bug? I am now, which does explain why my second session yesterday felt like may have felt different than my first. Hmm. Uh, which so, is like on a reload, the difficulty gets reset, right? Yeah I, yeah, I don't know exactly how this changes. But essentially, for years, there was a bug
3: in the original XCOM, which speaks to how difficult it was where regardless of difficulty you chose, it would default to beginner when you played. And so you might think you chose like a veteran or expert or whatever, however it's listed, but it just became beginner. And one of the, I believe I'm getting this correct. One of the reasons here from the deep is a more challenging, difficult game was in response to player feedback. that was like, shit's too easy. But the developers did not realize there was a bug <laughs> devolving the game to being easier than many players were asking oh for. And God. thus, Terror from the Deep becomes a more challenging game before this bug is discovered. Um, wow. Which rules. <laughs> That's amazing.
1: Incredible. Uh, yeah, so I, I may have to restart that game anyway, but I, I definitely think I might fire up the OpenXCOM project and uh, just deal with, like, whatever the community's kind of alighted on as, like, just the best mm-hmm. best version of vanilla uh, we, we can get. But... Um, yeah, it's like you yeah, know, it's weird. Like some games just hold up and I and I do understand why there's you know, the XCOM crowd has never fully moved on from that game. You know, yep. why why that you know and a lot of folks do love the new XCOM games, but there is something sort of the looseness and the jank and the indifference to pacing mm-hmm. that like the gollup the gollop's original design has uh makes for a really special game that I don't think you you sort of see it's like again. Uh, Ren, before we get you out of here, should we take a little dip? Do you have time for a little dip in the question bucket? Oh,
4: I can. I can take a quick splash.
1: All right. So (laughs) you may have to leave soon. So I just want to start with the ghost story. Yes, please. Uh, Shersha writes, highway pointer, Geist. Patrick asked for ghost stories. So I thought I'd share mine. My sister and I both witnessed a presence in the house we grew up in. When exiting the kitchen into the hallway, you'd swear you saw a figure at the far end of the hall. When you turned to look at it, it would be gone. We'd check to see if anyone was up at the end of the house and no one was there. It happened frequently enough that my sister and I were sure it must be a ghost. My dad built the house on a vacant lot. It had none of the red flags that usually come with haunted houses. Neither of us were scared or felt like the spirit meant us harm. Uh, we called him Roy after a joke in the Simpsons about new characters being introduced out of nowhere. Also, we what started does vacant assuming, mean? What does vacant mean? I've seen poltergeist.
3: Right. <laughs> we started assuming
1: anything random that happened like muddy cat paw prints showing up on the tiles that we when we did not have a cat and the house had been shut, shut all day. <laughs> As Yeah, I know as Roy being up to some kind of shenanigans, we started to ask Roy how he was doing when we saw something out of the corner of our eye. Years later, my friends and I were having one of those. Do you believe in ghost conversations? and I told them about Roy. They were seriously freaked out and mad at me for never mentioning there was a ghost in my house. One friend told me the reason he would always stay sober enough to drive the 15 minutes back to his house instead of staying over was because of terrible nightmares he always had at my place. Another said when he slept on the couch one time, he was woken up in the middle of the night by a shadowy figure reaching out for his throat like it was going to choke him. They all swore they'd never stay over at my house again. But I had lived there all my life and never got ghost murdered. Could Roy really have had it out for my friends? Do you think one can befriend a ghost or do you start up the cleansing rituals at the first sign of otherworldly presences? Sincerely, Shersha, the negotiator. So
4: I have an I have I'm thrilled by this question because uh, this is my this is the Renata. You did the Renata approach. Like if I ever get a weird vibe and this is true, I've done this my entire life. If I ever get like a weird, like spectral vibe. I will straight up be like, how's it going? Like we're 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 chill here. Like we you and I, you and I, we can share this space. I'm not going to I'm not going to make trouble for you if you don't make trouble for me. And I will I will ask the ghost how it's doing. I will check in to make sure it's having a good day. And that is how you don't get ghosted. That's how you get the cool ghost who's a friend of yours is when you're like, oh God, are we good? And the ghost will usually be like, we're good. Your friend Eric, though. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, honestly, yeah, that's my, that's my, this is my personal approach to to ghostly situations is just be like, well, if I'm, Charming enough at the ghost, maybe it'll be normal to me.
3: I would just leave. This is like this is like a spider disappeared under the dust situation. Sorry, it's all torched. I'm gone. (laughs) Am I interested? Am I interested in getting rid of you? No, don't really feel like fuck. I've watched enough of these stories. Fucking with it, usually find out. Don't want to find out. Maybe it's nice, maybe it's not. Maybe it's been nice to me, so it can be evil later. I'm good. Shut the door. Go somewhere, somewhere else. <laughs> I'm no interested in communicating. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the, uh, the trouble with an exorcism is like, what if you don't do it strong enough? What if it's a right? wrong type of exorcism? You just pissed off a ghost. It just seems like
3: you're inviting.
2: <laughs> or if they're a nice ghost, now they're upset. Like, <laughs> yeah. why can't
3: I stay here? Real. Now I'm what a demon.
2: Now I'm an asshole. <laughs> I was a nice ghost and now I'm an asshole ghost. And you made me mm-hmm. this way.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, like, stuff like the cat pop prince would bug me. I'd be like, that's that's weird. Uh, that's a that's a weird <laughs> thing that's, that's happened here. Um, but yeah, I would I would probably I'd, I'd probably be chill with the ghost. Uh, but then again, like. Crimson Peak changed my thinking on a lot of issues, is what I will say. <laughs> uh, shout out to Guillermo del Toro.
4: Head outs. Uh, I mean, I am to return to the original story, the the set of stories that got us onto this path, onto the spooky path uh i would regularly go to the most haunted place i know and like hang out there like that was that was a regular uh activity of mine was go to the most haunted place i know and just be like i'm just gonna vibe in this very obviously haunted place and just like chill for a bit
1: uh was writes where's the most ideal place to take a nap As a
4: as a woman with a chronic sleep condition, I have I have a strong answer to this. Mm-hmm. On a small couch, maybe a chaise, in the sun, on a winter day.
1: Winter day, interesting.
4: Because because what you get is you get this like ooh I'm being warmed by the sun, ooh the sun is is warming my bones on this chaise. And you wake up and you touch the window and it's cold and you're like, ah, this is very, this is very, the sensory yeah. combination here is really satisfying. And I know that I'm all warm and cozy while the outside is all cool and it's cooled my blood, slowed my heart. And now I get to return to my, to my little nest here where it's, where it's warm on like all the other, on like all the, like, the cold world around me.
3: Uh, like I def- don't cho- choose to have naps. Naps just happen. I have this I have <laughs> th- this small thing in common with with Ren. I cannot imagine what it's like to experience the life in, in, in the in the, in the way that it is so intrusive on yours. And yet, uh, when I do take a nap, it is because there'll be like some window where, like this happened recently to me where my oldest was off, gone for the afternoon, hanging out with kids down the street. My youngest was sleeping. I was like, I'm going to get something done. And I sat down and my body said, no, no, you are going to get something done. It's gonna be the passage of time as your body <laughs> just lays on this couch, not even comfortably. It's just sort of like I laid back and I'm like, oh no, and like that's the only that's how naps happen. Like I don't have, unfortunately, my my world does not leave space for a planned nap. But then sometimes your body just says no. We napping now. You're here, and I, I, I try I, I try to fight it, but when, I think even that time I I'd, I'd had a cup of coffee and it was like no.
4: No, do no, you, no. <laughs> do you have a? Is that your most common accidental nap spot?
3: No, it could happen in a car. It, like mm. it's just your body just hits exhaustion, and Got then it. the nap the nap takes
1: over. Got it.
4: I didn't know if there was a space you you find yourself accidentally returning no, to. No,
1: no. Kato, do you have a little sleepy spot?
4: I think any any spot that's
2: just a little bit too small, not too small to fall asleep in, but too small to sleep for too long. It good answer. Cuz that's the problem that I would have is like if I go to s- take a nap on the bed and I'm just out for like 5 yeah. hours when I meant to nap for 2 and waking up to an alarm after a nap is n- never feels good. I don't know. Something about just the right like I'll turn and I'll I'll shift and I'll be like, "Oh, there's no edge here. Oh, I'm awake again." But naturally, and I look at the clock. It's like, "Oh, I've slept enough." <laughs> uh instead of uh sleeping forever. <laughs>
4: This is my vice office trick Yeah, is 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 the Renata standard during our streams when we go on break is I, I go to the one of the leather chair, faux leather chairs we have uh, that we okay, well, that we used to use on set and we don't use anymore. And I just curl literally into a little ball mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. on and taking up only the space of the cushion and become unconscious for 20 minutes. This is a good answer, Kato.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh we've got a bench in our dining room uh that you when you sort of sit there in the corner and work but also that ends up acting like a little chase situation mm. your head like rested mm. against the wall um and like the rest of your body reclined and like when the sleep just arrives it is the most like sort of it's like a it's like the most reassuring like someone coming and tucking a little blanket over you where you just mm-hmm. sort of drift <laughs> off you know i could i could get up but i don't want to i'm just gonna i'm just gonna drift away uh, and that's and that's perfect other times i will just sort of keel over there uh like a tree uh being fouled where i was just like oh man i just need to lie down right now and i will just grab a couple of the throw pillows pile them up curl up into a little ball on the uh on the bench and frequently that is a signal for me to come around and circle around the corner and do the same thing and push your little head against mine and then that is also another summons to, like, it is nap time because uh, me and the dog are sleeping sort of like nose to nose. It's heaven. Uh, hey, listen, I know you got to go. Uh, yeah. So let's let's call it there. And Patrick and I need to have a very serious. Uh, uh, right. Uh, meeting very of the minds. Very yeah. just like cold,
3: calculated,
4: honest no
1: copium no copium uh so (laughs) yeah so hey that's a wrap on today's episode of waypoint radio if you want more from waypoint you can follow us on twitter uh at waypoint facebook and youtube waypoint vice you can follow me on twitter at rob zachney uh ricardo where can people follow you
2: at a underscore Cotto underscore appears on twitter
1: patrick at patrick clupik ren
4: at ren or raven
1: you can also check out what we published on waypoint.vice.com and catch up on the VOD of Safepoint over at twitch.tv waypoint. And for our Waypoint Plus listeners, it's my turn again, and I chose White House Down for our next film, Foray. I know people were maybe expecting something a little bit more high-minded, but I ask you, what could be more high-minded uh, than Roland Emmerich's sentimental take on what it might be like if Die Hard happened to a much hotter version of the cast of The West Wing? Uh, if that sounds good, or you just want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Not only do you get access to our premium feed, but you're also helping support Waypoint and everything else we do here. And if you want to show the sho- show, uh, not just support, but zeal, go to waypointgeneralstore.com to buy some of our fine Waypoint merch and keep an eye out for uh, new drops that might be appearing. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at B O E N. For now, we're calling time on this uh, this Tuesday show. We will talk to you again on Friday. Until then, buck capitalism, go home. Rob. Yes, Rob? Patrick. Rob. Yes, Patrick. Rob. Rob. Yes, Rob. <laughs> yes, Rob. Say it. Say the line,
3: Patrick. Rob. Rob, I ask you at the beginning of every
1: podcast: Are the Bears back? The Bears are back. The monsters of the Midway have returned. There is some hilarious drama
3: that I did not realize, like historical NFL, um, like stat lines that were at play during this game: the Patriots versus the Bears, in which the Bears came up. What was it? Thirty thirty-four to fourteen. I think that was the final mm-hmm. the final score. Um, They didn't score a single point in the second half. And it's that uh, Belichick was uh, on his way to having the most wins for an NFL coach. Uh, winning that game against the Chicago Bears would have put him over the hump against Papa yep. Bear Hallis. Um, the Bears were also tied as the most winningest franchise with the Packers. Oh, my God. And as a result of that win, not only did they defend uh, something that was Belichick's gonna you know is gonna beat the record, but there was something really cool, historically delicious that the Bears, who knows what the future holds, but pulled a rabbit out of their goddamn ass, defended Halas' crown uh, for the one game for this one game, uh, and then also keep the historical record against the Packers uh, at bay. Right as, Rob, I'm going to read you uh, some tweets um, before we get into our reactions to that game. Aaron Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show that the Packers are routinely making double-digit mental errors in games when, in past seasons, that number was, at most, seven. Quote, guys who are making too many mistakes shouldn't be playing. Gotta start cutting some reps. Follow-up. Asked by Pat McAfee about his own performance... Roger said that QB coach Tom Clements gave Rogers his highest single game grade yet this season in the Sunday loss against the commander. <laughs> oh my god! That was his defense. That, was, that his? was his defense. the The team around me is bad, which might even be true, or at least not up to the standards of a, of a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. As as currently constructed when they're going to fall apart in the next 18 months. But um, what a piece of shit. Just just and I couldn't be happier. I mean, they're going to get eviscerated by the Bills. He might get benched by halftime just because there'll be nothing to play for. I mean, Rob, the notion that I, I, if the Bears are going to win, I want it to happen in a fashion like this that is convincing yeah. and interesting and concrete and
1: fun to watch Like and fun to if watch. They had beaten the if they had beaten the commanders last week. It doesn't matter. I lost by watching that game. Like it. Like- and also they also the draft pick is worse.
3: Um, yeah. The the ideal version of the Bears this season was the second half against the Vikings in which they were rudderless for the first half. Field suddenly looks in command, takes control of the game and is about to embark on a two minute drive in which they if they go down and score a touchdown and you felt actual confidence they could do it because fields have been playing extremely well up, you know, in that second half. uh, And then a. Player who has now since been cut from the team has a ball literally taken out of his hands. Like <laughs> a thing that does not happen in NFL sports games happened to that player and it wasn't Fields' fault. You they lost the game. You saw yes. everything you wanted to see. The draft pick is better. It was the ideal. That player has since
1: been cut, by the way. That
3: player has since been cut. Like you want to win three to five games, but feel good at the end of that, at the end of that season. That is that is the ideal. Like what the Giants are doing, I can't tell if that's good. You're 6-1, and but you don't want this quarterback at the end, clearly. Um, So it's weird. But it leaves us in a place where I have not. (coughs) Rob, that was 2018 Bears energy. The difference being that the offense was crushing it as well. And I didn't know what to do with myself.
1: No, and I, neither did I. Um,
3: in fact, you the, didn't show up until the fir- the the second half.
1: No, because I've been chatting with my parents, and so I was watching it, uh, delayed on on DVR, and so like I had gone through, and I'm glad I didn't uh skip ahead because like the Bears looked really strong to start. Uh, they they run Mac Jones off field. Uh, they get zapped. Who, yeah, well, that's the thing where I was like, okay, the fact that this little this little fucker like <laughs> Bailey Zap or Zappy, Zappy. comes Zappy. out and does like have two amazing back-to-back series throws the best pass of the night yes uh like perfectly dropping it into a receiver's hands who's pretty closely covered uh and I was like okay well this is just you know classic bears like good start mm-hmm. and now the fade begins yeah and that didn't happen uh it was like the The defense took control of the line uh, and the, you know, the Patriots never really were getting good looks for the rest of the game. But then fundamentally, also, the Bears offense kept rolling uh, and and dominated them. And and a huge part of it was like. I think for this was the first time where it was so clear that the Bears understand what they have in fields. Yes. Particularly Justin Fields, though, because it was like, I always sort of felt like. Um, remember when Lamar Jackson, his rookie year, the rap was he's a running back and, and I feel like and I feel like the difference between like a Nagy or honestly, even the Bears, at the start of the season versus <laughs> like uh, uh, a Harbaugh is Harbaugh didn't care. It's like yeah, he's a running back who can throw the ball. We're going to lead into that. You know what I mean? He's a great mm-hmm. running back. So we're just going to play him like that and the other stuff is going to come in time. And guess what? It largely has, right? Yeah. Like Lamar Jackson became an amazing like uh, you know, dual threat quarterback, but he didn't start out that way. It's just that he was such a good, uh, like rusher. It didn't matter. Like the the they they had no shame about leaning into that. There was that, that play with Fields where, and this happens even after they're
3: starting to take command, I believe, where the well, the man needs to get a glove on his hand. Like there were times where errors were being committed because the ball was slippery, and he, he just But that just was ripping. everybody. Like that the was ball, for the sure. The ball was yes. greased the whole but night. The, but do you remember the play where it like the ball gets snapped to him? He comes back, he drops back, like he fumbles it, recovers his own fumble, but doesn't go to the ground, gets up, goes around the perimeter of the field, and turns that into like a six or seven yard gain. It was a fumble recovery that then became positive yardage. Like that shows you the rate where he turns, it is a negative play. It is that you are punting to move on to the next set of downs, like we're done. And instead, you know, I think they probably. I don't know how that that series ended, but it probably ended with a field goal or a touchdown because that's just what they were doing at that point in the game. And it was the the notion that they seemed to. I, I saw today that Fields said they looked towards Lamar Jackson specifically. Like, how do we start designing runs for Fields? And it seemed like, and it was also the thing that people have been saying that the Bears failed Mitch and were were, we're, we're making these same mistakes. Even the new staff with with Fields was like. Where are the plays where he just runs? If, if you watch a, a like, it's basically he runs a half circle. It's like where they, yes. they come out and they run sort of a, a half circle, either to the right or the left. And the way those plays work is that they call it like cutting the field in half, where like you're not even looking at the left side or yep. the right side of the field. You were just looking at what's in front of you. And often that is with like a, a like a, a handoff that is supposed to like have the field shift in that way so that there you, your options on the right or left side are, are, are just the ones you're looking at. And they kept doing that. And because of the threat of the run, yo, sometimes there were just like nice chunk plays, 12 yards, 14 yards that were just available to him for wide open receivers or well, wide open the, enough.
1: There were plays. There's a play. Um, I want to say it was like shortly before that, that screen, uh, that, that screen pass for the touchdown to Herbert to the her. Oh, my uh, god. But just before that, is- that, where he had been, as he often is, this is what was so like thrilling and terrifying about that game. Like Fields entire style of play is it's like watching uncut gems in a lot of ways <laughs> where it's like things are going bad. He's going to double down. Yeah, time and to get gonna be worse. like, how yeah. do I re- now I'm really going to put the game on the line now? I'm, You know, oh, this was looking like an incompletion or an eight yard loss. Uh, now, how does a 18 yard loss strike? And you? also, I've taken a brutal hit that. Yeah. For no- from most normal humans
3: would dislocate their shoulder.
1: But then you will watch him. You know, now he's like 18 yards back, still scrambling, and then suddenly he sees the hole and he's just gone. And he's so much faster than everyone uh, that he can just like. Gobble up all that distance he traded, uh, and get to the first down marker before the defense can really begin to converge and react. And there was a moment where he did that, and I swear to God, they showed Belichick on the sideline, and I swear to God, he was smirking uh, <laughs> because because I do think like there are types there are types of players that are really tough to scheme against. And it's like, mm-hmm. are you going to say to your defense they fucked up? No, they busted the pot. They were they busted the pocket perfectly. Uh, they well, had yeah, he was getting
3: plenty of pressure. That's yeah. it's not like he was he's sitting around. Waiting three to five seconds,
1: like and no receivers came open. Like immediately, yeah. he was having to move. And then, but the but the thing is, he is so good at moving uh, that even those busted plays, he becomes like the most dangerous uh, player on the field. And it was this is the first time where it seemed like the Bears were calling a game where they weren't scared of that. They w- weren't resenting it uh, and trying to they be leaned, like, well, yeah, they leaned into it. They had they had like, hey, there's none of this. Go be a pocket passer and make your reads go through no. your progress e-
3: even the even even the touchdown where he did the um like the design run where he I've, I've, where he like it's not it's not a QB sneak because yeah. it was a couple yards out but like he ran it in on a design to play and like that's what you should be doing like yes
1: but the it also works struck- because he because he can cut like yes. emmett smith and, the, and like- the bears
3: struggle in the red zone because like that's where the the field condenses to its tightest and we do not have receivers that can get separation our tight right. end who's the biggest guy in the field is kind of a mixed bag although that That catch he made like that throw that that Fields made to Cole Komet like was that might have been my favorite throw of the night. And then the follow up to it
1: was they rushed up to the line so that it couldn't be right. Because Komet was convinced that the the tight end some people might not familiar with this part. uh, The NFL is like. A play stands unless it is challenged, and somebody says the way it was called on the field is wrong. Right, and people like take a moment to think about whether they want win that challenge or not before you they have make up it.
3: until the next play is snapped.
1: Right, to 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 take out
3: a, a flag and ask for a review of that play if it's reviewable. Most things are, some things
1: aren't. But- and it looked to me like Komet hadn't like yeah. it looked to me like it was a catch out of bounds and yeah. Komet thought so too clearly he he made this amazing it was an amazing throw an amazing catch but it looked like it was probably not actually a catch and you saw him immediately being like guys get down here snap the fucking ball right and the Bears have never been able to hurry up to that no. way and this time they did and got six uh, yards like well, just just thing, just the, the Patriots were still standing up they weren't even set when the ball was snapped and so just six years six yards in the blink of an eye and the play became unchallengeable turns out they would have won the challenge the Bear, the yes. bears had made like comet uh, had been thoroughly in bounds but it was still like these are things that the bears of the past were completely good capable of doing and now yes. yeah god and that uh
3: Jaquan Brisker the, the the rookie safety that that he gets kicked in the nuts and then
1: just like two plays like he, okay, he, it looked like Mac Jones aimed at the nuts right like that little he, like flip he of the he foot
3: with his foot in, i don't know if he aimed but it you know i don't know if he's going for the nut shot but like it, uh, when a player is clearly trying to escape touching a sliding quarterback, because if you touch a if you touch a quarterback in the NFL when they are sliding, they are, they're they they call it's called like they're giving themselves up, and you are you are not allowed to touch them in any way. If they dive forward, you can hit you can collide with them because they are they are essentially not they're not giving themselves up. They are trying to push forward with with uh, uh, a tackle that can be reciprocated. But if they are if they are gliding down with their feet, you have to just get out of the way. And when, so when the defensive back is clearly getting out of the way and then that quarterback who is sliding injures them in the process, that doesn't – that seems like that should be a flag. Yeah. Like you can't touch them, but they're allowed to – now granted, fortunately – because immediately when I saw that, I was like, oh, Brusker is having an incredible rookie season and frequently those kinds of players will get injured. But you want that to happen as late in the season as possible so they can get as much experience as possible in that first season – and so he limps off, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's going to be a hamstring injury. He's going to be out for six weeks. Like, this sucks. Then, of course, the clips are going viral of Mac Jones sliding his not just his foot, but his cleats yep. into his dick. <laughs> and yep. uh, uh, he comes back on the field, you know, a play or two later, and just does like an, uh, an OBJ single-handed catch to just rip this ball out of the sky and... It was, that it, was like, beautiful. It, was, it
1: was such sweet revenge when he got the interception. And called Blaine well, Blaine it was like, you know, there was like
3: revenge. so much conversation amongst as the analytical sort of revolution takes place in the NFL sort of slowly and in real time. Um, you know, things like momentum are challenged by the notion of analytics, but I don't know how you can't. Rob, like this game had like very clear shifts that felt like, sure, can you grind this down to the numbers? Probably. But like. The Bears come out, score 10 points really click quickly. It just seems like they've got it. And then, you know, uh, Mac Jones throws an interception, and they bench him. Bailey Zappi comes out. Fields has a, a really horrendous uh, a series in which he needs to learn to throw the ball away. Like, hopefully that is something that yeah. they cleaned up over time. But he throws essentially, like, two passes that turn into 14 points. And as you said, it feels like all right, well this is now quickly becoming the game that we thought this is going to get away from the Bears, like this is just not their day. And they just marched down, scored, scored, then there's a there's a there's a fumble, score again. And a lot of these are field goals, but they're also just playing for bad conditions and like the team they know that they have don't have him throw a 12-yard route in the end zone when he doesn't need to. Like take the points cuz they they just felt like there were real shifts that you could feel yeah. emotionally, psychologically on the field that I feel like are rarely like they were Dude. booing Mac Jones and then Bailey's Abbey comes out, throw these touchdown plays and the place is
1: electric. And yeah. then we just, and the Bears stole that. The live out of them. Yeah. And by the end they were booing the the Patriots again. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. It was, we caused a quarterback controversy. We don't the do first, that. Rob. It was, the That's what the Bears years, do. it was the first game in years. It was the first game in years where i felt like i was watching a good bears team like an actual legit good football team because like you you know you bring up the 2018 uh analogy and something that the adams uh on the the athletic bears podcast bring up a lot is everything always feels so goddamn hard with the bears Mm -hmm. like just the basic things that other football teams are able to execute on is just like pulling teeth for the bears And and for years it has been punching uh in for the touchdown like like getting getting points on the board, uh putting a drive together, dominating the clock. All this stuff has been so hard for the Bears. Uh like harder than any other team. They're excruciating to watch. And last night was the first time in ages where I'm sitting back there like kind of excited when the offense is taking the field. Because it's gonna be like for the next five or ten minutes, I'm gonna watch this offense roll. And that's gonna be fun. And they're gonna look good. Uh and that's and and that fundamentally I don't think this this team does not have a 2018 season in it yet i i no. think like i think we'll be brought back to earth pretty fast by the cowboys defense next week yeah um which is a great defense like the the reason the cowboys still have a season uh is because that defense is tremendous and i think it's going to be a different like just a different like a, thing like a parsons is going to do bad things to a player that holds on to the ball for too long right and i think that's like we are in it but this is the first time where i'm like I see the blueprint here, like, and, and, I, and I'm hoping, uh, you know, the new management structure there. There's always that thing about like GMs. And this has coming up a lot this season. GMs don't really feel any particular obligation to stick by guys they didn't draft. You know, it's mm-hmm. not that's someone I picked out, not someone I don't know what the value proposition is. Uh, and that's sort of been looming over the fields thing. But the fact that they made adjustments following a few like really lousy weeks and leaned into what Fields is good at, it did feel like they might have figured out how to use him. And maybe it's not what they, you know, on a blank slate you would choose to do but if you don't look at this set of abilities and what he the the possibilities that expand around him what dave montgomery can suddenly do if the field is spread out a little bit what khalil herbert turns into uh if the defense has to cover all these bases uh you know you'd be fools not to lean into that and it seems like they are finally getting around to the idea of with the justin fields well it's, it's i think what um Yeah, Richard Sherman was saying on Thursday night last night. It's not that he's, it's not that he's good at rushing. He's an elite rusher. Lean into that. Don't look it in the mouth. Exactly. Yeah. So
3: I don't know. You know, it's it's weird because I, I'm glad this game exists for a couple of reasons. One, I saw a a former player point out on Twitter uh, as the game was ending that part of the 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 difficulty you have as a rebuilding team especially if you don't have a quarterback is it is extremely difficult to get free agents to come in the building unless you wildly overpay for them because yeah. why would they want to come to some a place that could be not particularly fun to play for it's why winners
1: keep winning it's why
3: players, you know, players go to the, went to the Patriots. Well, offensive free
1: agents, especially you're gonna Your stats are going to look worse coming out of right. this. Like your value will be hard hurt. If you're thinking
3: about the market. next, yeah. If you're thinking about the next contract, if you're, um, yeah, you know, yeah. So it, it's complicated. And so like to, this is the last time the bears are going to play in prime time, absent getting flexed because some game would be for playoff implications of not for them, but for some team they're playing in December. Um, and even then, I think they would get flexed into like the 4.30 window and not actually into uh, yeah. to a Sunday or Monday night game. But this was the last time for, for the Bears to advertise. This is what it could look like if you came here. Imagine if you did. And I cannot imagine for what this team is, the huge talent deficiencies that they have, but how much money they have next year. This yep. just felt like, hey, we could be onto something here because players also watch the most on Sunday night, Monday night. Um, if they, if they're not actively playing on, on a Sunday, like they're, they're quite like us, they're not necessarily <laughs> watching red zone, um, yeah. and like following the bears when they're having a two and, you know, two and 15 season. Uh, so stuff like that is I think tangible and important for them building a team next year. Cause I think it allows them to like, Hey, look like, yeah, okay. This is really hard. Look at all these shitty players we're dealing with. But like, if you came here look at, look at what happened if we had like a decent, you know, oh. Tight end.
1: Patrick, there's something important I meant to ask you. Uh mm. is Roqu is contract year anything? Is what? contract year. <laughs> is, no? Is that what we're calling it? Is, is that there? is that is that a thing? Is this anything?
3: I don't know what to make of Roquan Smith. Uh he he has had a very up and down year as a player. I think there are times where he has been shown to be really good. Here's what I'll say. I don't think. He is deserving of the contract that he's asking for. He is deserving a very good one. I also a few don't more think games to,
1: like last night, though.
3: It's just a position that's not that important in the in the defense that the E-Reflus and is is running. I I, I do the, they they also I, here's dirty thing is I think they're just going to franchise tag him next year um, and yeah. and just not deal with it. Now, granted, he could sit out, but I I think he'll probably play at some point um, and just play for that con- I I just don't I just don't think they want to pay him specifically. Um that said, they have so much money that it's like cause you front load a contract where, you know, makes the most in the first two years and it all works out. I don't I don't know. Um I don't think they're gonna sign David Montgomery. I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be gone after this year, unfortunately. I think Khalil Herbert is is too good. Um yeah. and actually has more of a side to side threat that Montgomery doesn't. Um I think they will who, want some other... Oh, yeah, they'll want like, a bulldozer, but you can go find a bulldozer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. In the same way that, you know, Montgomery will be picked up by somebody else, like the Bears also could. But I also would to be shocked if he came back on a cheap deal. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I'm just glad this game exists because so much of the rest of the season is going to be... There's less heartbreak involved if you can look back at a game like this. I'm like, it's okay. Like... You can you can hang on to those flashes because I saw what a complete game can look like.
1: You might be seeing more of this next September and October. Exactly. Yeah.
3: And so what I want is more of that. But then they lose at the end because I right. do want the higher traffic. Like it is a, if they're they going to got to restock
1: keep, the talent roster.
3: Like yeah, they, and they've got it. They've got a, if they end up keeping that QB, the higher you are at the end of the year with five QBs that other teams are going to want. If you can trade down, so you can get all, you know you can get a real tackle. You can you can get a, you know a better wide receiver like. So, like, if you don't have a game like this, man, the end of the year can feel because then all you're doing is trying to look at flashes and understand how those stitch together. But what we saw here was, well, here's what it looks like when it all stitches together, and it was beautiful, Rob. Wow, it was beautiful.
1: And we're gonna and we're gonna huddle around that memory, we are. Uh, maybe for the rest of the year. But you know, Patrick, their schedule from here like Which, ultimately hmm. I do not know what to expect from the NFL this year. That's the other part of this is yes. I like honestly I thoroughly expected given what I saw the last couple of weeks that by now we would be thoroughly out of contention for the division. I don't think we're in contention for the division. The Vikings are very good uh this year, but still I expected it to look completely done. It's weird cont- that you could you could I think the Bears are
3: not going to be in for a wild card spot, but you can't rule them out right now. Yeah. Be, just be not because they're good, but because The rest, the NFC is essentially a trash fire. There's like one good team, the Eagles. um, And that's and
1: that's about it. Uh, I'm catching owls in these next two Uh, cowboys and dolphins, I think, are -hmm. are are way too Mm -hmm. hooked up uh, to. To let the Bears beat them, Um, though, if they win either of these games, prepare for you and I will be losing our minds we are uh, it's gonna if, be yeah
3: yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be bad we're gonna get the fever um and i'm gonna be ready to uh, we, eventually we play austin's eagles uh um, yeah and 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 that maybe we just trying to play spoiler to give the eagles their first loss of the of the, of the year yeah. there's,
1: ch- there's a chance they're just gonna go on a run here like the lions are the lions that like they're better than they were they're less they're fun bad. now it's yeah. the good the, the vibes from hard knocks yeah bye they're uh, gone I think mean, that's a win. The Falcons also not a they can be surprising, uh, yeah. but not. I I don't think. I think the Bears like should probably win that game. Uh, the Jets. Well,
3: let's see. So uh, the Bears are three and three, right? And so the rest of the way, uh, three and
1: four, right? Three
3: and four. So Cowboys lost three and five. Dolphins. Let's say it's a loss. I look. Dak Prescott did not look very good yeah. on Sunday. And, no, I agree. Uh, Tua didn't look very good. Either. But but I it think should be
1: I, it should be three and six yeah, but let's yeah games. so
3: let's say let's say uh so cowboys three and five loss dolphins lost three and six lions so we win uh uh was it sorry, I'm already, already that's right. That's four and three, six. Four and six Falcons I can go either way. Yeah. Let's let's call it a win. Five and six. Okay. Five and six. Jets, I think it's probably a win. They have a good defense, but yeah, their Jets have surprised a lot of people, but let's say six and six six and six Packers dude seven
1: and six baby dude ownership revoked I would not bear we put that
3: as an L we put that as an L but I think there is going to be no greater interesting test for because this is too early for them to even if they'd been really good even if they turn it around for the next uh, handful of games to to rest anybody right like that's just not how things work anymore Um, they are going to be fighting to not to win the NFC North and to get a wild card spot. There is gonna be like that for me, nothing actually matters after that game. Like I yeah. I think this like stretch that concludes with December 4th against the Packers is essentially like the final test of the season, like the homework assignment. Like, what progress did we make? What did we figure out? The team that matters, the team that always haunts us. We might not come, we might not win, but how close can we get given the current construction? And I'm with you. That's W. Yeah. Yeah. Seven and six. Eagles, Bears. OK, we're going to lose. lose that one. Yeah. That's that's uh, seven and seven. Bills, Bears going to lose that one. Seven and eight. Um, Lions probably win that one. Eight and eight. And then Vikings,
1: uh, they might be resting everybody. So we, we, f- might, we might win that. We might. Win but they that might one. be sealing the division. Well, I mean, yeah. they'd be sealing it against either. The, so that's the funny thing. If they're sealing the division, they're sealing it against the Packers because the Packers have somehow figured it out. Yep. Uh, but if the Packers are who increasingly they look like, the Vikings are probably taking it pretty easy. Yes, so we might win that just by which factor I think brings of. us back to nine and eight, which was our
3: is that our original prediction? We've gone from overzealous fans to wow, this is going to be the, the the season from how we're going to win three games and then we're right back at nine and eight. <laughs> I love it. I love yep. it. All right. All right. Well, All right. Hope everyone is enjoying. Maybe this is what we'll do on the off weeks where like sport, proper sports pod yeah. every two weeks. And then maybe we got to sneak these in for the I mean,
1: little, for the faithful people just like, for the faithful. Little, we'll put, we'll put
3: it to the end of the podcast. Um, goes out to everybody wide on the feed. So maybe that's what we'll do going
1: forward. So, all right, well, we'll <laughs> <what>? <laughs> nine and eight. Oh, bunch of fuckos. It's <laughs> probably, it's probably going to be more like eight and nine, uh, eight and nine, but, <sighs> I'll take it. Yeah. All right. Patrick, bears are back. Bears are back. Fuck capitalism, bear down.
0: The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Uh, yep. let's go on fifteen.
3: Was not even looking at it. Yeah, I can't uh, see so you were just
2: Well, we don't need it. that's fine. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine.
1: All right. Everyone ready. <clears throat>
4: I'm ready. Throw us in there.
1: Kato's shaking their head, but we're just gonna have to do it. Nope, Kato's gotta Okay. <laughs> All for that?
4: What?
3: <laughs> oh my
4: god.
2: Sorry.
1: Okay. It was a big it was a big bite.
4: The biggest shoe. Uh-huh. The longest sip. Uh-huh. <laughs>